Okay. All right. Good evening, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to our special episode of Exploring the Lord of the Rings. This is episode number 122. And more importantly, uh, this is our crossover episode with uh, Alan and Sean, the hosts of the Prancing Pony podcast, who are joining us here today to celebrate this occasion on which they have swept past us. And we are we are here in Exploring the Lord of the Rings, watching their uh, the, the, the dust cloud of their passage uh, face. <laughs> off in the distance there. Uh, We're like dwarves. We're very dangerous over short distances. (laughs) Exactly. Natural sprinters. Yep. (laughs) Exactly. So um, I'm hoping that everything is coming through. Audio is coming through. for This is a truly complex audio setup that we have going on here tonight. Uh, So uh, it took us a little time to uh, get things uh, loaded. But of course, you guys probably didn't even notice because I started at my normal time. So that's all fine. (laughs) Um, that's all right we like a challenge right technical challenge yeah good good okay so and let's see i think i'm good all right i think everything should be going okay on twitch there let me know if that's not okay on twitch and um okay excellent so uh before I start off tonight, just a couple quick announcements because we got I got a, a, a little bit of uh, a, a signum business and stuff just to let everybody know about first uh, moot announcements. Bay Moot is coming up. If you are in the San Francisco Bay Area, we're going to be meeting in Berkeley on the 23rd of November. Uh, So you can go to uh, signumuniversity.org, scroll down just a little bit to our events panel there, and you'll be able to click on the Bay Moot page. The registration is live. The call for papers is there. Uh, So definitely uh, uh, look forward to being able to see any of you guys in the Bay Area next, no, not next month, it's already November, this month uh, on the on the 23rd uh, in two and a half weeks uh, so I uh, encourage you to go ahead and register for that um, and the call for papers for TexMoot, TexMoot isn't until February 8th, but the TexMoot people are super organized so they have their call for paper ready already so if you go to TexMoot.org uh, you can find the call for papers for that so uh, really fun uh, moot stuff coming up. We have a lot of we're, I was just sort of reviewing this stuff earlier on with um, with our moot coordinator. And we have 10 moots planned for the 2020 uh, calendar year. Wow. Uh, 10 regional moots wow. in addition to myth moot. Uh, so we're, we're officially adding at least one and possibly two new moots this coming year. Uh, Maple moot. Toronto, it's happening. We're gonna go to Toronto and Japan. So uh, we're gonna be. Um, uh, in fact, I'm gonna try. We're gonna do moots in three non-American countries in two months uh, this this coming wow. year. So that's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, anyway, so yeah, that's uh, the, those. So that's the moot business. And then the last thing. Don't forget that tomorrow night we begin our new book discussion in the Mythgard Academy, having finished Sauron Defeated in our march through the history of the Lord of the Rings, uh, the history of the of Middle-earth. We are doing our starting our non-Tolkien book, which is going to be a Wizard of Earthsea by Ursula Le Guin. Uh, and we're going to so we're going to be starting uh, Wizard of Earthsea tomorrow night, uh, Wednesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern time. Um, you can find the link for that on the Mythgard website. So that's the stuff that is happening, or at least that is some of the stuff that is happening soon um, uh, that I wanted to make sure that everybody knew about. Okay. So, 
Alan and Sean, welcome to Exploring the Lord of the Rings. This is going to be a lot of fun. Um, yes, it is. Uh, Thank you very much. You guys are here in the Discord chat, so you'll be able to um, uh, you'll be able to see the comments and everything that we do. This is we we try to I try to make this as interactive as possible. So we'll be doing a lot of. Uh, uh, Responding to folks here in the uh, in the Discord chat, um, okay, and uh, we'll. So for the folks on Twitch, do we do we say here's what so and so said on on Discord, and then we respond to it? Yeah, I generally sure. I, I, I generally do read the comments out before we respond because a lot okay. of, and then of course a lot of people are watching the recorded video later on, so they won't. That's true. Have That's any true. access to it at all? So yep. Okay. Um, uh, so, yeah, exactly. So tonight right. we're going to be talking about the reactions to Bilbo's song, having just spent uh, our last five sessions discussing the poem. Uh, we... I, I feel woefully inadequate now. <laughs> Let's see. Lightning is... pace, Alan, lightning pace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're going to... Um, uh, so we're going to talk about the reactions. Uh, my, I, I have aspirations of getting through the whole post poem conversation uh, today, up through the the uh, Bilbo's private explanations to Frodo. So um, we'll see we'll see how well we do there. Especially since, of course, as usual, um, despite my own inclination to dash on ahead very quickly, many of you are trying as usual to slow me down and and go back and talk about the poem more. So I'm going to start off with a couple uh, uh, questions and comments uh, from the discussion board. Um, And so for uh, Sean and Alan, you'll be able to see the text of this on the Twitch channel. Okay. uh, If you want to to, to see what I'm looking at here. Okay. So the first question, was there any connection between all the water (laughs) imagery of Frodo's fugue state and the fact that the next thing he becomes conscious of is Bilbo reciting the Song of Arendelle, which is mostly about someone sailing, you know, on water. We could look at this from two ways, from Tolkien skillfully and masterfully drawing us into the song, and let's be frank, he considered Arendelle to be the keystone of Middle-earth, so he's quite deliberately greasing the rails to guide the reader into his cornerstone tale, or from the perspective of the story itself. What is happening at the moment? What are the elves singing about when Frodo's listening to them first? If we look at this line, visions of far lands and bright things that he had never yet imagined opened out before him, and the firelit hall became like a golden mist above seas of foam that sighed upon the margins of the world. Could it be that they, too, are telling the same tale? A warm-up act for Bilbo? Or perhaps a coincidence? Or maybe it's just because they are elves and sing of the sea and Valinor and of the past and of home? Great, great question. And uh, uh, for detail, appreciate Mm -hmm. that. And thank you for quoting that. Uh, I was going to have to go back and dig up that slide again uh, if you hadn't. So this is right. This is in the description when Frodo is enchanted, right? When he begins listening to the elf music and he is Mm -hmm. kind of transported into that other place. And it does seem to be an example of... Enchantment, and of course, yeah, I'm using enchantment in Tolkien's technical sense, right? When you are affected by a work of art and kind of taken out, and you you sort of perceive yourself to be within the story that is being told to you, right? When the um, right. when you are able to mistake the secondary world of the story told for the primary world, like when it looks like the primary world right. around you, right? That's the effect mm-hmm. that 
elvish song has on people, and we see it apparently having that effect on Frodo here. Um, and uh, I for detail, I appreciate your coming back to this because I hadn't been uh, thinking about that in connection with the poem. And you're right. Um, I would have thought that it was just sort of imagery, right? I mean, just kind of imagery to sort of capture Frodo's sense, Frodo's experience. I wouldn't have attached a narrative concept to it apart from the line about sighing upon the margins of the world, right? It's not just mm, any motion yeah. imagery that he's surrounded by, right? It is seas of foam that sighed upon the margins of the world, mm -hmm. giving us a definite sort of Valinorian context, right? So that does imply, I agree with uh, Eye for Detail, um, it definitely suggests a kind of narrative content to the Elvish song that Frodo is listening to uh, before that. Um, the, 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 the one thing... Well, let me go back again to apart from the sighing upon the margins of the world thing. Again, if it weren't for that, I would think it was merely metaphorical in the sense of trying to capture Frodo's experience. Remember that this is the falling into deep water... Um, uh, appears to be a metaphor that um, we see Tolkien use that on several occasions, right? Remember, Frodo felt like he was falling into into deep water when he collapsed by the ford, right? And right. like it was it was not just the sound of the rushing water that he was hearing; like he felt he himself was going underwater. Um, remember, Mary said the same thing in Bree uh, mm -hmm. when he's mm -hmm. just you know I, I thought I had fallen into deep water. Um, so I mean, there's and and at Tom Bombadil's house, Arden Crayon, yeah, you're absolutely right. And good, Mad Violinist was just uh, thinking about the falling into deep water too. That metaphor seems to be yeah. a fairly pervasive one. So I can right. certainly imagine Frodo just sort of having the experience of having his senses overwhelmed by the Elvish song and, and being transported to... Uh, if that were being described in, the, in those kind of aquatic terms, it would seem to fit with that sense of losing oneself and one's own kind of will and perspective <clears throat> being submerged either pleasantly presumably in this case or unpleasantly as as when under the influence of the the ring rates and the proximity of the ring rates and stuff um uh, good mad violinist is also remembering tom bombadil's metaphor clothes are but little loss if you escape from drowning as he says to mm -hmm. them when uh, yeah. when they wake up again um so yeah, so metaphorically speaking, that's that's pretty dominant. But then again, we get to sighing upon the margins of the world, making this elvish ocean, right? That Frodo is that Frodo is 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 swimming in, um, much more specifically situated. I yeah. personally incline to Eifer Detail's final idea there that like elvish song contains the idea of the sea of Valinor and of Elven home and that, you know, when they are, they are likely to be singing about the sea. Um, after all, these are some of the very elves that Sam has heard that are sailing, sailing, sailing away and leaving right. us. Right. So yeah. the ocean and especially the bits of the ocean that sigh upon the margins of the world are doubtless on their minds. Right. So yeah. one can easily imagine that that, um, is, um, uh, is might be what they're singing about. I never thought of this as a like a kind of transition, right? That is uh, related to the song of Arendel specifically. 
I don't know that I see it necessarily as a warm-up act or as an illusion or them singing the same A. Arendel story. I don't see anything that's, again, if we didn't have the A. Arendel poem and that's all we have, I don't mm-hmm. see any evidence here to connect that, that this to is a reference Arendel. to A. Arendel. Yeah, yeah. specifically. Um, but <coughs> if they're thinking about the sea and they're thinking about Elvenholm and they're thinking about sailing west and they're singing about that... Um, the transition from that to Arendel becomes particularly poignant, I would think, mm-hmm. right? I mean, with the elves singing about sailing off into the West and then mm-hmm. um, Arendel, having the story of Arendel who sailed off into the West, but from a mortal perspective, right? Then wanting to get back to the mortal lands and not being able to get back to the mortal land. You know, he, he was right. on the one-way trip, which of course means something very different to the Arendel of the poem than it mm-hmm. means presumably to the elves who are singing the song. Um, right. True. So, yeah, I think what, one thought, one thought on that, Corey, I, I wonder, you know, when you first started talking about uh, enchantment and mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the sort of the sub creative uh, act that's inherent with, um, with this poetry, I started thinking of the, I started thinking of the fact that water is the element that has the, the greatest echo of the music of the Ainur, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which, of course, is purely, perfectly subcreative music. Yeah. And I wonder right. if maybe that, if there's, if there's a narrative connection, maybe it's not Arendel, maybe it's more a connection to that. Maybe it's this idea that elvish music has this sort of liquid quality to it because uh, the music of the Ainur is closely related with water. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, and that link back through to... Um... Uh, to Olmo, as a couple of people were referring to Olmo, and we had been thinking about Olmo in conjunction, for instance, with Frodo's dream that he has in Buckland, um, uh, because it's there's there's water stuff that that yeah. mm-hmm. uh, uh, that comes up, and so we were like, well, it's it's not like a smoking gun exactly, but knowing that visions come from Olmo and uh, and yeah. things, it it's it seemed at least defensible uh that frodo was actually you know because we were asking like why is frodo having these visions like what you know what is going on visions don't just happen spontaneously like something is happening there what's happening um right i don't you know so the water connection sean i I mean i think that makes a lot of sense to me it seems to make more sense to sort of connect water Rather than thinking of it as like the medium of, of messages from Olmo, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just that general echo of the of the music seems to me, uh, especially in this context with the Elvish song, you know, that they're right. the way in which mm-hmm. Frodo would be kind of picking up on the the kind of echoes, right? Of the mm-hmm. you know that the Elvish song would be, in a sense, I would think, one of the clearest echoes of the music of the Ainur that Frodo right. would have heard, right? Right. Uh, yeah. I would think that that's yeah. one of the reasons why Elvish singing is not a thing to miss, as Bilbo would say, yeah. right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, I mean, as much as I would always love to tie anything back to Arendel. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and Bilbo is going to transition. All right. Who had seven Arendel? minutes in the pool for, uh, for Sean <laughs> mentioning Arendel again? <laughs> hey, I was prompted. I was prompted. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, there's plenty of excuse in this episode. <laughs> Uh, That's true. <laughs> you guys will have to go a little further out of your way to say something slighting about Feanor, but it could still probably happen. Oh, I'm sure it'll happen. <laughs> we'll find a way. We will find we'll a way. way. Yeah. Where's that pinata? <laughs> Whack. All right. So uh, second uh, question is from, uh, uh, I know 
uh, one of our mutual friends here. This is from Christopher Bartlett, who is uh, the mad oh, violinist yeah. on Discord here. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And it's also his birthday. Happy birthday, Christopher. Oh, uh, indeed. Birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah. I, I, I uh, saw him at Middlemoot uh, and told him that this was the date of the, our crossover episode. And he was like, my birthday. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Just for you, Christopher. Okay. So That's here, awesome. here is uh, Christopher's excellent <coughs> Uh, uh, question. All right. He says, I know that we are extremely cautious about asking why Tolkien does the things he does, but I'm left wondering why he included the lovely, tragic Arendelle poem. Or if I want to reframe that question in Professor Olson's more preferred style, what does it accomplish to include the Arendelle poem? We can look to the most comparable example, the Luthien poem. But there are striking differences. While both poems are similar in that they emphasize the experiences of their protagonists over the effects of their gallantry on the larger sweep of the myth cycle of the Elder Days, Tolkien gives us this mythical context, at least in brief, for the Luthien poem. Whereas we're left to wonder about why Eärendil was sailing, what his errand was in the first place, and why he's given his undying doom. Um, and so just a side note, Alan and Sean, for you guys, one of the things that we're... Restri- I, one of the the coolest part of exploring the Lord of the Rings for me is that like almost every week I learn new stuff that like yeah. I never yeah. ever noticed before, and for right. me the biggest revelation about the Arendel poem as we were discussing it through is I had never realized how little it actually says about Arendel. Um, yeah, it never yeah. mentions. It doesn't tell what the story does. at all, does it? It doesn't. Yeah. No, it, t- it right. leaves out almost the entire story. So one of the things we we were focusing on was okay, what is this poem about? Like if you just say right, it's about right. the Arendel story, that's actually not even true. It, it's it's about Arendel, right. but that's not the the emphasis of the story. And we were even noticing no. how how much the poem goes into the passive voice all the way through the whole middle. Like stuff mm. just keeps happening. It's not about what Arendel does. It's emphatically not like a heroic mm-hmm. story of Arendel's accomplishments. Not only does it no. even not tell them, it it hides them even actively syntactically right, yeah, by yeah, does. Uh, saying these things just sort of occur anyway. So, uh, so we were emphasizing how, uh, so, so Christopher points out how both, you know, the, um, the, the Luthien poem that we got several chapters ago and the Arendel poem here, neither one of them is really a, a tells the story, right? The, you know, the story, mm-hmm. the, the, the Luthien poem that we get, Baron and Luthien poem, um, if you didn't know the story would tell you almost nothing. You know, that last Mm -hmm. stanza gives a tiny little glimpse into the plot that comes after the meeting of Baron and Luthien. But the poem is almost always all about Baron and Luthien and, you know, about their experience when they meet each other. Right. And then that last stanza points to the future, but it really only points to the future, like their future of what they feel and experience. Mm-hmm. In Aragorn's prose synopsis, we get more, which is the, then the argument here that, that Christopher makes. Okay, so he says, with the Luthien poem, we can see how Aragorn is using this mythical tale to protect the hobbits from the effects of the Nazgul siege. On another level, because of Aragorn's summary of the events of the story, we can see these events as a piece of, a lar- of the larger story of which the Lord of the Rings is the culmination. And of course, we can conclude that the Luthien poem is the hinge upon which Tolkien's understanding that the Lord of the Rings is a part of the larger tale turns. By contrast, we are we are given one of Michael Drought's textual ruins in the Arendel yeah. poem, but it is less clear to me what function this fulfills other than a flash of beauty from a seemingly unlikely source. Remember what we've seen of Bilbo's poetry thus far is far from epic, with the possible exception of the road goes ever on and on. 
A careful reader without the context of the Silmarillion would be able to conclude that Eärendil is related to Elrond and might know that a Silmaril is something important from the Elder Days, connected through the Luthien poem, but we do not have anything but a very hazy idea of the Elder Days, what significant Silmarils have, and no idea mm-hmm. at all of why Eärendil might have been sailing to the end of the world. Right. Maybe it's enough that yeah. it's beautiful. But given the thought with which we know Tolkien chose what else to include, I'm unsatisfied with beauty as the sole explanation for the presence of this long poem. I'm glad it's there, but I'd love to have some thoughts about the reason, or if you prefer, the function of this work within the larger context of The Lord of the Rings. So this is, this is a great question. Wow, why, that is. Yeah. Yeah. Why does Tolkien include this poem? Or what is the effect of, of Tolkien? As you know, Christopher is anticipating me. I always ask why questions and immediately connect, correct myself because I love asking these questions, but I don't want to make it sound like I'm just trying to get inside Tolkien's head and be like, what was he thinking right. at this moment? Because we can't ever know that. But right. we can see, like, what are the effects the of the— The effect it has in the text. Yeah, yeah. The, the effect of the choice he made to, 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 to include it, which is essentially the same mm-hmm. as saying, why did he do it? Um, right. Okay, so I think— hmm. The Arundel poem, um, if we look at the impact of the poem itself, that is, thinking through the analysis that we've been doing, what the story of that song is, right? What is the song that Bilbo is singing? And I certainly, Christopher's clearly right, we get very little in terms of plot, right? We wouldn't even know how important the Arundel story was. We couldn't really guess that from no. this poem, oh, I think. Right. Um, but what we do we were noticing that the primary emphasis in the story is Arendel's brave sailing off into the west doing something mm-hmm. important that we're never really told and then having the mighty doom laid upon him right being elevated right. Mm-hmm. to the so he is mm-hmm. he's elevated right you know there's there's the the apotheosis that he undergoes so we can see that he is being on the one hand given grace beyond any other mortal, right? I mean, he's made mm-hmm. into an sure. orbit yeah. star, which is great, yeah. but it's got some restrictions, right? And the restriction... Uh, there's a to-do of, list. Yeah. There's, there's a few drawbacks. <laughs> there, there is, there is a, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, when the mighty doom comes back, right, and we get the second... Re- the first, and I love the way that we get those two references, right? The first reference uh, to the doom that is laid on him by Elbereth makes it sound like a pure... Um, uh, a, a, a pure blessing, right? Mighty doom was. That's late. when it's he's, a mighty doom the first yeah, time, right? He's yeah, given. Right. He's given. A, he's 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 being elevated to the stars. It's, that's amazing. And then yeah. the second time, it's when he's trying to get back that on him, mighty doom is laid. You know, now the mighty right. doom, it's clear, is preventing him from being able ever to return to mortal lands. Um, and that that seems to be the emphasis. Like, what are the consequences, both the blessing and the cost for mortals of this kind right. of interaction with one of the other things we were noticing that apart from Elbereth, who is named, the Valar are practically um, downplayed, right? Yeah. I mean, that they, they, yeah. they, we don't even know. They're referred to by... Um, unclear pronouns 
you know, there's a the, they built for him. Yeah. Yes, there's right, a lot of right. involved. Yeah, it's like who exactly built the new ship for him or upgraded right. the ship? Yeah, exactly. So until Elbereth is mentioned, it sounds like it's maybe the elves. Like it's right. Like, how could we know it would be anybody else? Um, so again, and one of the one of the consequences of that is that it seems to me to make the whole story a little bit more relevant to specifically to Bilbo's situation. Right. This is not just a question of like going to Valinor is dangerous because if you go to Valinor, who knows what might happen. Right. But that's like not mm-hmm. really a danger that's likely to confront most people most of the time. Right. Right. However, interacting with elves now, that's still unusual, but that's more attainable. Right. That's something that could happen to the unwary. Right. Who stumble across them in Woodall or something. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, when you interact with. The elves, you know, when you interact with uh, with the undying ones, whether they be elves or whether they be Valar, um, then these things can happen to, you know, when when you Mm -hmm. leave the mortal world. Right. um, Then you potentially uh, have these um, have these consequences. It changes you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I think that um, the. the idea that this is in some sense a kind of caution that he's sort of using the um, the Arendel story as a cautionary tale um, seems to me to kind of is, is that enough to kind of answer the question why he why, why is it that he has Bilbo singing this? I mean, one of the things, of course, if we think about to the larger context in the plot, right? We've just met Bilbo again. Frodo and Bilbo have just been reunited. They've been apart for 17 years. Um, mm-hmm. One of the first big questions, of course, is what is the um, what is the uh, the the effect of the ring? Right, Bilbo giving up the ring, and and Frodo now has the ring. And so, of course, so the first thing that we see when they're together there in the in the Hall of Fire is that question, right? The, the sort of the ring mm-hmm. issue comes to crisis first. Mm-hmm. But then right. there's the next question of like, so Bilbo, you live, you've moved to Rivendell now, right? You have left the Shire and you now live full time. You know, you've retired and lived with the elves. What's that like? I thought about Palm Beach, but the prices were a little <laughs> steep. I moved to Rivendell. Exactly. Yeah. I can just mooch yeah. off. Elrond He's got a really cool shuffleboard court, you know, <laughs> yeah, real cool shuffleboard. Um, so, yeah. So I think, um, that yeah. and good, yet uh, Veronica, as you say, Bilbo never yeah. goes home, right? He never goes back to the Shire again. And remember, mm-hmm. at this point, we have evidence to believe that he's being actively prevented from going oh, home, yeah. right? Gandalf won't let him go, but he he offered, right? And Gandalf says, "No, you can't go right. back." Um, so there is, I think, a a a, a good parallel there, right? Of um, of you know, Bilbo who cannot return uh, to the Shire. And again, it's, it's a blessing, right? I mean, he's been welcomed into Rivendell. He's, he's living the dream on the one hand, Sam's dream, certainly. Right. Um, And yet he can't return. Um, You know, and he's, he also did a thing, right? He did a kind of heroic thing. Um, Yeah. uh, But he, again, the consequence of that, heroic thing is that now he can mm-hmm. go home. Um, so now Irendis, I do agree that there is another utility in the fact that, I mean, there are going to be references to Arendel 
as we move forward in the Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Um, but and this does kind of set those up, doesn't it? I mean, you you does. understand what the what the file means later on. You right. understand what it means that Elrond is his son. Yes. Um, but I, anyway, I, sorry. You, you, I also I, I want to point out something that, uh, that that one of the other users in Discord mentioned, Valamoinen, said something that kind of jived with what I was thinking, which is this, that at the time Tolkien was writing The Lord of the Rings, he really didn't have any other chance of getting this out, but he had written yeah. it how many times? Yeah. Written and rewritten and rewritten and rewritten. It kind of makes me think a little bit about the Troll song as well, you know, and the fact that, you know, here's yeah. a piece of poetry that he's been working on for years that he's found a way to to fit into his mythology. Uh, and the same here. You know, this is one that he just really wanted to find a place to get it in. And what better place to put it than the Hall of Fire? Yeah. And uh, and to have yeah. Bilbo singing it adds a little bit of yeah. cheek, as, as we'll find out later. But, yeah, I, I, I tend to think but, there's a little bit of motivation there. Like, just I want to get this out. Yeah. And yeah. this is the only but place I, I can put it. But I, but I also really like the foreshadowing that it, that oh, it does. Yeah. And I think yeah. the other thing Irendis said was it does foreshadow Frodo's own journey, doesn't it? Because Absolutely. just as Arendil can't ever go back to Middle-earth, Frodo can never really return home Not after, really, his, yeah. uh, after his enchanting journey. That makes it sound yep. better than it is. But A yeah. mighty doom laid on him, and then, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. He can't, uh, he can't go, go back to, to where he belonged. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and the thing to remember, though, it does set up the references later on, but it doesn't set it up in the way that we might initially assume or sort of want it to. Again, it doesn't set it up plot-wise. <laughs> yeah, true. Like, we don't... No. You know, but what it does You only set get up, him if you already know the story. It, exactly. Right. right. Yeah. Which, of course, you know, in 1954 was like... Yeah. Three people. Four people. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, but uh, here I'm particularly thinking of, of course, the great scene... Um, in Mordor, right? When Sam sees the star, right? And of course, with the file of Galadriel Mm -hmm. and the significance that that has. One thing that we do know about Arendel after the poem is his, is the light and the star thing, right? So that, um, and that it's something I'm going to be really interested to come back to when we get to those, uh, uh, to those points, uh, which we should do by the, 2030s is um <laughs> is <laughs> truth hurts man truth hurts <laughs> it's it's we were uh uh so uh, evil dr cannon who is here tonight he's a physicist and he he plotted out our progression and projected right. when we were going to end which at that point was 2031 but we've slowed down <laughs> since then so i think we're i think we're no longer on that pace anymore 2037 but, or something yeah, like that probably yeah. something like that yeah but, uh anyway yeah. Um, so, uh, but anyway, the point is when we get to those references, it'll be interesting to remember back to the context that Frodo and Sam themselves actually have, like what A. Arendel and the story of A. Arendel means to them. Now, of course, we can't know for sure that they haven't been told the fuller story of A. Arendel. I mean, heck, they might've found somebody to tell them the story of A. Arendel that Tolkien never wrote, uh, while they were in Rivendell, right. you know, during that time. Right. So. We can't necessarily assume that they don't know the whole story, but but again, the, the readers don't know it. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, recalling the context of 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 the way. So, I guess this means, Christopher. One of the other things that I would say there is that this, it's not just the story, right? It's not just the the like you know, Arendel as character or, or as like really important background character or something. Um, 
It isn't only that. Ray, I see you teasing me there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. These are hilarious. Yeah, so Ray was saying, episode 333, what is meant when Tolkien used the word it? <laughs> I can absolutely see. Oh, man. Our discussion Why did he that. choose to use a semicolon here instead <laughs> yeah. of a comma? Yeah. We talked about Why? that in the poem. Why not parentheticals? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we, we've all we've all uh, all of the regular attendees in this class and I have all been doing estate planning around uh, around participation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There, there are several people oh, who've, who've said that they're going to like bequeath to their heirs particular comments they've been waiting to make about the battle at Minas Tirith, you know. <laughs> so that, yeah. And Alan, we've joked oh. about leaving our show to our kids someday. Oh, yeah. yeah. This, is, and this is serious. This is serious. Yeah. Because, no, really, you know, ours is maybe be... seven more years, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it may be neat. And that includes, yeah. like, you know, Unfinished Tales and, and we, we might leave our kids the, the second half of and... Peoples of Middle Earth, but that's about it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, so, yeah, I, I do think that it's important. For, it's going to be important for us to remember the context of this, because here's the other thing. Um, you know, Christopher, thinking back to the comments you were making about Tolkien's own like inclusion of this, right? Tolkien's uh, motivations and in including it. Um, that is the outside of the story versions of that. The cool thing that we get there, if and this is all in, I think it's chapter three of Treason of Isengard. Um, you... Um, so you can see when it, that shift. So in the last session, two weeks ago, we looked at the history. We looked at the original Aaron Tree poem, and then we looked at that intermediate mm -hmm. stage, uh, mm -hmm. the one where it's definitely a mortal person who's being like abducted by the elves and then promoted right, and right. Then kills on Goliant. So he kind of becomes a Arendel halfway through and um, right. has lightning shooting out of his eyes and all kinds of super exciting things. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I wish we'd covered that. That, was, that would have been a lot of fun. Awesome. The other day. It's pretty awesome. That guy. Someday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, the point is that shift starts happening. The shift from errantry. So he takes the errantry poem, which is still in its errantry state, right? The little funny right. little fairy dude doing, you know, mm -hmm. fighting bumblebees and, and dragonflies. Um, he starts with that poem. So when he makes the decision to say, I want Bilbo to sing this song, it's still in that state, but he never has Bilbo sing it in that state. Mm -hmm. As soon right, as yeah. he decides to put it in Bilbo's mouth in the hall of fire, it begins to change. And the first, he has to that elevate first it. version, yeah. yeah, that first version yeah. of like the mortal dude who isn't explicitly identified with a Arendel, but kind of transforms into a Arendel halfway through until he is the flammifer of Westerness at the end. Um, that, happens that's what happens when he puts it in bilbo's mouth in the hall of fire so right therefore it seems to me that the this um and we were looking at how much stronger even that uh that theme of mortal who wanders into fairy and is blessed and elevated thereby but then also constrained and uh and doomed as a result how much stronger that theme was in that intermediate poem even um so that that seems to be for Tolkien a a really important element of what he was trying to accomplish uh, through Bilbo's poem here. Um, so I think that that's a really, um, I, I think that's a really interesting uh, possibility. Um, yeah. Um, 
Yeah. And Mike says the crazy thing is that the first version tells the whole story. Yeah. Including like full action sequence with the slaying of Ungoliant and everything. Mm -hmm. And the second version tells tells almost nothing. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's that's one of the things that I love in looking at the. Uh, in looking at the the evolution of the you know of of the drafts and things is looking at the right. direction it's going right yeah um, and you can see that the direction it maintains that mortal interacting with uh, with the fairy world element of that second story but it makes it less and less and less about the heroics right and mm-hmm. and and really in a sense thereby I think comes to emphasize even more uh, that element of the mighty doom basically, that is laid mm-hmm. on Arendel. Um, belongs not exactly. Bilbo's voice does make it much more, um, much more passively. Um, yeah. So do you think, it, so do you think it makes it less about sort of the adventure aspect of it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And more about uh, that apotheosis you were talking about, the, the transcendence. I mean, and, mm-hmm. yeah. and does that make it more Frodo-ish even, even though it's still in Bilbo's voice? Um, maybe I'm still too attached to the idea of it foreshadowing Frodo's story. No, I think it, well, but... I know that um, I didn't have a chance to. Uh, I, I, I wasn't able to put it on a on a slide. Uh, Flamifer, who is here tonight, was putting forth that theory that the intermediate version is more like is more Bilbo, and the final version, the version that's mm. in the uh, mm. that's in the uh, yeah. the book, is more is 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 more Frodo. Um, and I can see that. Um, I can see that. I think um you know has bill has bilbo prepared this really sort of with um with frodo in mind you know is, is there a kind of message for frodo in this you know is uh uh is the question and mm. i maybe I think. I mean, that's certainly conceivable. We know that Frodo's been there for days, right? Um, so, right. and Bilbo is preparing this poem as if <laughs> at the last minute, right? Um, when he's, uh, you know, while the feast is going on. So it doesn't seem like something Bilbo has, you know, written months ago and is just mm-hmm. pulling out of his satchel, you know, for performance tonight. Um, uh, so. I think that he it's certainly possible, therefore, that he means this performance in a sense to be kind of targeted uh, to Frodo towards Frodo. But then how does he know what Frodo is going to go through by the end of the book? He can't. He, he doesn't even know that Frodo is going to be the one taking the ring. But he's going right. to be selected. He doesn't even know that anybody's going to, to yeah. Mordor with the ring. So right. unless Bilbo is um, a conduit for something else. You know, unless this is an inspired poem, hmm. yeah. Is Frodo called here? Yeah, it is. It is possible. Now, so here's the the main thing that gives me hesitation is that moment, which uh, you, you know uh, the three of us talked about in your episode uh, a, a, a little while back, um, and we discussed here a couple months ago now. Called the shadow um, between the yeah. shadow between them. They yeah, had that yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the main thing that I would emphasize there is Bilbo's understanding, like that moment of insight that Bilbo gets when he now finally gets it. He understands the significance of these things. I think that he is capable of foreseeing enough that even though the, 
you know, the ring hasn't been officially as, you know, it, it hasn't been decided that it's being sent to Mordor yet. And it hasn't been decided that Frodo's definitely going to take it. I could totally believe that f- after this, Bilbo can predict both of those things, that he would mm-hmm. have some kind of a sense that that's going to be what ends up having to happen. And that he, mm-hmm. from his own experience, both from his own experience of his there and back journey and his experience of owning the ring and understanding what that means and the implications of that and his own experience with not being able to go home and all that kind of thing, that he could put together some kind of sense of what it would mean for Frodo. But my problem is he's only learned that 15 minutes ago, you know, right. when he says yeah. the poem. So it would have to be pretty extemporaneous. And although it sounds like he's, uh, you know, prepping up to the last minute, I doubt he's being as spontaneous as all that. So I have a hard time believing right. that Frodo's poem is intended by Frodo for, sorry, intended by Bilbo for Frodo. By Bilbo for Frodo. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so exactly as Palandor says in the Twitch chat, there seems to be a bit too much normal poetic preparation of Bilbo's poem, you know, like run throughs with Aragorn, right, you know, before he recites it, uh, to have the feel mm-hmm. of like an inspired poem with, with, with Bilbo as conduit. He, he doesn't just yeah, he's not Cadman there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um right. Sing of Arendil. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's, that's that's not what's <laughs> happening there. Right. Um Yeah. Um so Yes, Barkwolf the Feast was in Frodo's honor. Um, uh, at least that's what Bilbo says. I hear all this feasting was in your honor, right? Um, he wasn't seated in the place of honor, I agree. Um, though, again, we still, I'm, I'm, I'm still, uh, I'm still wanting to do a reenactment uh, there. We, we never got to do our reenactment at Middlemoot. So one of these days, I, 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 I want to reenact the seating arrangements at the feast because I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. I need to see it in order to, I need, I need to, I need to block that out in order for, for that to make sense. Um, but um, yeah, now Matt is asking if Bilbo is doing an oral composition or if this is a written work. Uh we don't get any reference to like paper or a notebook when Frodo comes in and sees Bilbo there. He only sees his his snack on the floor next to him. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I um, I don't know that I would rule it out for that reason. I mean, do we have to mm-hmm. believe that Bilbo is composing entirely without paper? I mean, he does seem to be a writer himself, Bilbo usually to write. Uh, um, yeah. Um, so I'm not sure about that, Matt. It's a good question. I think I was assuming it was a written work. I He would perform it, reciting it. Um, and it may well be that by the time he'd gotten to this stage, he's already written it. He's already memorized it. Um, when he, so he's going to recite it for Aragorn to have Aaron, uh, to have Aragorn's input, right. And make some tweaks of it there. But I don't think he's going to be redoing whole sections of it. Um, but anyway, okay, well, let's, let's take the radical step. And we're only about an hour in, so this is pretty normal, of actually starting our discussion of the text itself. (laughs) 
Okay. There's our problem, Sean. We get to the text after about 20 minutes. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, I can teach you all kinds of ways to go slower. I know. I mean, there seriously. Are a of, uh, of, okay. <laughs> there's a text. The feet of the master text. here. Okay. Yeah. The chanting right. ceased. Frodo opened his eyes and saw that Bilbo was seated on his stool in a circle of listeners who were smiling and applauding. Now we had better have it again, said an elf. Bilbo got up and bowed. I am flattered, Lindir, he said, but it would be too tiring to repeat it all. Not too tiring for you, the elves answered, laughing. You know you are never tired of reciting your own verses, but really we cannot answer your question at one hearing. What? cried Bilbo. You can't tell which parts were mine and which were the Dunedans. It is not easy for us to tell the difference between two mortals, said the elf. Nonsense, Lindir snorted Bilbo. If you can't distinguish between a man and a hobbit, your judgment is poorer than I imagined. They're as different as peas and apples. Maybe. To sheep, other sheep no doubt appear different, laughed Lindir, or to shepherds. But mortals have not been our study. We have other business. Uh, first observation I would make about this. Um... For everybody who doesn't like the tra-la-la-lolly elves of Chapter 3 of The Hobbit, did you hear that? That is exactly the tone that Lindir uses with Bilbo. Is it, oh, yeah. Don't dip your yeah. beard in the foam, father. Right? It's exactly yep. the same tone. Not too tiring for you. You know, you're never tired of reciting your own verses. It is exactly the same register that yeah. the Rivendell elves of Chapter 3 of The Hobbit speak in. Mm -hmm. uh, so apart from the fact that no one actually says tra-la-la-lolly, uh, you wouldn't... I mean, I, I honestly think that the gap that people perceive in the Chapter 3 Hobbit's uh, Hobbit elves and the Lord of the Rings elves would be much, much less if the Hobbit poem were simply removed. If all we had was the was the dialogue from the elves, hmm. I think people would hear mm -hmm. the consistency much more clearly. But because people have this reaction to the tra la la lolly song, they're like, mm -hmm. oh no, I just can't make that jive with the Lord of the Rings elves at all. And it's like, well, okay. Um... But yeah, and now Great Green Dragon, I agree. Um, excuse me, Green Great Dragon. Um, <laughs> these elves are really You of good. all people should know you can't call it a Great <laughs> exactly, Green Dragon. right, yeah. You're doing it wrong, man. Um, but, <laughs> but anyway, um, that, that you're right. They are very good at hobbitry. We were looking at the ways in which... Uh, Bilbo and Elrond even banter, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, you know, the way right. that we see Bilbo bantering even with Elrond. Um, and yeah. with Lindir, it's much more pronounced, right? If you look at the digs they make at each other, my favorite, Bilbo's comment, right? I mean, nonsense, Lindir. If you can't distinguish between a man and a hobbit, your judgment is poorer than I imagined. Like, I already knew your judgment was poor, right? But it's even yeah. worse than I thought if you can't, <laughs> if you can't distinguish between a man and a hobbit. I mean, that's pretty good right there. That is. That's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Um, so this is, uh, and again, very much like go back to the last chapter of The Hobbit and read the discussion that Bilbo and the elves have out his bedroom window, right, when they wake him up singing their song. Um, I get very, very, very like this, right? I, I kind of like to think that Lindir was one of those elves uh, who, you know, who sang... Uh, the lullaby that would uh, waken a drunken goblin. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, and Brandon, you're absolutely right. Elrond is way better at hobbitry than Aragorn is. We were we were, we had been talking about how Aragorn seems to be the only one who doesn't like get into the spirit. He's like the total straight man when he comes over and is talking to Bilbo and Frodo, and he's just like does not get into it. Right? He doesn't. He's do just it. trying to look cool in front of Arwen, though, right? <laughs> well, yeah, he's he's just standing back there, kind of you know, what's your problem over there, man? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he's he's just, just you know. A little flexing for uh, for our image there. to maintain. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Got to be serious, man. He exactly. can't. He can't get get down into the gutter with these guys. Yeah, but Mary, you're absolutely right. Lindir and Bilbo are clearly close friends, as you can tell from how they're insulting mm-hmm. each other. Um, uh, now, of course, the real joke which Bilbo doesn't spring even in public, right? He waits till he's talking to Frodo, which we'll do on the next slide, is that the whole thing was a trick question from the beginning, right? Right, <laughs> it's, right, it's, right. It's, it's, there's, 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 there's nothing to tell. Um, right. Yeah, which parts, plural? It was there's all no mine. parts, plural. Yeah. What are you talking about? Right. It's a total trick question. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, so... Um, so okay, so what are some of the other? What are, <laughs> Sorry, there's a comment in the uh, Discord that I have to read. It was Aragorn, eighty year old awkward teenager at the Rockus house party. I, I can identify with that. That's that's good stuff right there. Exactly. Thank you, Thank Uncle you Elrond. Don't embarrass stuff. me in front of Arwen. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to be distracting. Yeah, it's what I do. <laughs> we <Yeah>. digress. <laughs> I mean, that's right. You brought us here. It's gonna yeah. happen. <laughs> you know, you, you know what he was getting into. Yeah. Right. Now, as Evil Dr. Cannon points out, Bilbo is, in fact, not only just being cheeky in, in, in making verses about A. Arendel in the House of Elrond, he's being cheeky about Arwen's grandpa, right? So the idea that he would distance himself from this really emphatically makes all kinds of sense on <laughs> That's several true. different levels, right? Honey, I had <laughs> nothing to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. like, I did nothing. Honey, I swear I didn't tell him anything. I didn't, I didn't yeah. nothing at all. I tried to discourage him from from uh, from 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 saying that, but uh, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, okay. So let's go back to the beginning here. Frodo opens his eyes and saw that Bilbo was seated on his stool in a circle of listeners. So we get at the end of the poem. Um, we, the readers, have been carried along on this very long poem, right? Longest yeah. poem that we get in the Lord of the Rings, um, and then, you know. We are now we're being re uh, sort of reoriented into the primary narrative, right? Just as Frodo mm-hmm. opens his own mm-hmm. eyes and sees Bilbo, that sees this sort of prosaic scene, especially after both the scenes of the song that Bilbo was just singing and even the 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 more sort of abstract enchantment that Frodo was experiencing before, we get Bilbo seated on his stool in his circle of listeners and their pleasure at that. Them, so they're smiling and applauding uh, him. The circle of listeners is kind of interesting to me. Um, mm-hmm. Is, is everyone in the hall listening? I mean, is, is this a solo performance by Bilbo? I mean, we're told that things are going on around the hall of fire. Um, so not you know not everybody's having the same conversation not everybody is listening mm. i think necessarily to the same story um but the the circle of listeners suggests to me that bilbo is actually only performing for a subset of the yeah. people in the mm-hmm. hall of fire 
it's hard for me to imagine. There's just a that, group gathered around him. Yeah. Just in, in a corner somewhere. Yeah, or some. Exactly. Some part it's, of the room. it's hard for me to imagine that Gandalf and Elrond aren't listening. I mean, we were talking about how Gandalf and Elrond were probably watching Bilbo and Frodo quite carefully, as this is the uh, yeah. these are the yeah. careful circumstances yeah, yeah. under which Bilbo is being brought into the presence of the Ring again for the first time. Right. Um, so they've got to be paying attention to what's going on, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, Belongsmond, I also do assume that, you know, singing a song that begins A. Arendel was a mariner would probably get some attention in the room. <laughs> probably. Um, yeah, yeah. Who, what now? Who, what was that? Right, yeah. right. Yeah. But, you know, I, I was just catching something in the text though, that does tell us other songs were going on at least before that, right? I mean, Frodo's listening and he's hearing the beauty of the melodies and interwoven words in elven tongues. Bilbo's song isn't in an elven tongue. So we know there are other songs that are happening and then Bilbo's song starts to come together. So right. I, I think you're right that there's, there's subsets and groups and there's different mm-hmm. conversations going on. Yeah. yeah. It's a big room. It is a big room. Exactly. With Well, this, with well the, and I love that. Yeah, go ahead. Well, no, I, I love the idea that it is just a subset because that makes this, this epic poem, with mm-hmm. you know the, these very high and lofty ideas, suddenly it's just an intimate circle of Bilbo's closest friends, probably right. Listening to the the latest thing he's just kind of thrown together. The know? ones who have no problem ribbing him at that right. Point, right. For that matter, right. absolutely. Right. Yeah, yeah. It kind, mean, it kind of contrasts the high with the maybe not the low, but the lower. Right. The <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. I mean, it's it's uh, yeah. I mean, the fact that. Sort of both applause and heckling emerges right afterwards. Does yeah. so, I mean this is not a a fancy performance? You know this is. You not have to a, wonder mm-hmm. what the applauding was like. Was it just your basic little golf clap? <laughs> right. Very I, nice, Bilbo. Very nice. Yeah. I was <laughs> no, thinking I, about that actually. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. The tone of the commentary suggests to me that it's not just polite applause. Like, you know, no, so this right. is not Bilbo performing yeah. and the whole room listening and then everybody does like this for a few seconds and stops. Yeah, and like the pro pretends forma. they were listening yeah. and then continues their conversation. Oh, yeah, he's done. He's done. Yes, that's you know, right. Yeah. Kind of like <laughs> you do for, for, like, dinner music, right? When, like, there's yeah. a band playing dinner music and no one's paying a lick of attention to them. And then they, but they come to the end of their song and everyone's like, mm-hmm. oh, polite yeah. applause. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, anyway, right. We're, we're, where were we? Like, what were we saying? Yeah, yeah I, I don't. I, that I, I, I don't think it's that kind of applause, right? I think no, that I it's think you're right. it's enthusiastic. I, I mean, I don't think they're like jumping up and down and cheering, but I can see like cheerful applause, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, again, leading up to the leading up to the teasing, um, uh, and yes, evil Doctor Cannon, you're right. They did ask for a repeat, right? So it, it was you that's know, they, true. They were they were interested enough and listening closely enough that they they wanted to hear it again. Or maybe they weren't, which is why they needed to hear it again. I'm sorry, <laughs> right. what was that? I missed well, the whole fourth stanza. I just tuned out. <laughs> well, you though, know? though it, this is one of the th- so no, Bilbo's refusal to say to sing it again. Right. Yeah. 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 And and Lindier calls him out on it right away. He's like, oh, no, it would be too tiring. And Lindier's like, oh, yeah, whatever. Like that is is a transparent excuse. So if if Lindier's right and Bilbo is begging off doing it again um, for some reason other than the one that he gives, which I agree with Lindier is unlikely to be the correct one. (laughs) What was his reason then? Could it be Mm. that if he 
recited it a second time, he would have a more general audience. Right, um, more attention. Maybe yeah. Elrond would be paying attention. He'd feel a little <laughs> yeah, exactly. embarrassed about that. Exactly. I think Elrond yeah. didn't hear it that time. So <laughs> if I quit thinking. now, I might still. That's be a good thing. I, a good I'm thing. cheeky, but I'm not that cheeky. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. Or, or is he even a little nervous that, uh, you know, these these are elves that might know this story intimately. They might have they might yeah. have been alive for some of these events. Does he does he not want a, more of those people to hear it because? Maybe he's gotten something wrong or they're not going to like his take on it, you know? Yeah, I don't know. know. It's it's interesting. Like, is it and and this, of course, brings us to the question that and I'm forgetting who it was. There were a couple people uh, over the last few episodes who have been wanting to talk about this question within the story. What is Bilbo's motivation? I, I can I can I can agree with the arguments that. Say, you know, if we look at the poem, you can see a parallel between Arendel and Frodo's journey. I think that that works. Um, but sort of outside the text is that I can't see that as Bilbo mm-hmm. himself intending that message to the story. Right. Uh, because, again, it just doesn't seem to be practical under the circumstances. But then that leaves the question, what did he intend exactly? What was he knowing? That he was going to be reciting this to a bunch of elves, at least, or Elrond himself, at worst. Um, yeah. <laughs> what was his? What was the plan? What was he trying to accomplish right, in right. that? Um, as so, one obvious answer to this, right? And I think that this is the this is the idea that I always had, like you know, in my earliest readings of this story, I kind of thought that he was. I don't know, sort of sucking up, right? Like, uh, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell the story of Arendel because, like, you'll like that, right? So I'm going to, I'm going to tell the story about like how awesome mm-hmm. your dad was, right? Because that's going to be cool. And the cheekiness of that choice would came in and being like, dude, you think that you can make a story to praise mm-hmm. Arendel? Like that your little song about Arendel is going to be that Elrond's going to be like, oh, I am so moved. My father's honor has greatly increased because of the song that Bilbo the Hobbit sang, right? The, the, you know, I always because better it. lays have probably been written over the past 6,000 years. <laughs> probably yeah. so, probably so. So <laughs> I, I was, so anyway, yeah, I was, I would, that's how I, I kind of, always, you know, used to read it. But, um, but of course, you know, now I feel very confident that that's not the case, right? That he, it's not to to butter up Elrond or to praise Eärendil primarily that he's singing the song. At least that's certainly not what the content of the song itself seems to suggest. Um, if anything, it's um, it's about again, it's about what happens to 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 more. It's like it's you know using Eärendil as a cautionary tale, which is way cheekier than you know that yeah. other version uh, yeah. of this story. What kind of response was he? seeking right what mm. kind of response was he seeking from the elves if and and you know and again worst case scenario uh from elrond um yeah uh mike that's interesting mike says uh it's an attempt by bilbo to present the mortal side of elrond's father elrond uh is just so elfy all the time um and you know the elves kind of claim Arendel in a sense right but to be like hey like mm-hmm. uh you know Arendel was a mortal too. Let's 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 do the mortal version. That's super cheeky because of course Elrond chose the other way. Right? right? Elrond himself presented between the mortal and elvish part of his father went the elf direction 
And so for Bilbo to be like, hey, let's remember that, you know, you're not just following in your dad's footsteps. You've also turned away from a big part of what your dad was. So let's remember his right. mortal experience. Wow, yeah, too. yeah, yeah. Uh, did you did you actually use the phrase though super cheeky? I just want to make sure. Super cheeky, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, because you know that's going to bring up a song when you've got the Prancing Pony <laughs> podcast guys on, right? He's oh, super no, cheeky, no. y'all. No. <laughs> no, I'm just he, kidding. I'm he's sorry. Got, he's hey, got we, super cheek. <laughs> he's a super cheeky. Super Speaking of cheeky, Alan, yeah, the kind of <laughs> hobbit you don't take home to mama. Anyway, oh man. Hey, you know. Look, I, I'm clearly outclassed, <laughs> so the only thing I can do is try to be funny from time to time. Uh, I am the comic relief tonight. Anyway. It's, good company. It's all good. You're a good company. It's all good. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, actually, it, 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 several people are saying they've been waiting for a song to show up. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, Corey, it's gonna I'm, thinking about, I'm thinking about what you were saying about... Um, Oh gosh, what was it now? <laughs> um, about the effect that this enchantment has on mortals, the effect that these right. interactions with the divine or with uh, with the elves have on mortals, and I, I'm noticing that the 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 exchange between Bilbo and Lindir is essentially about how different are hobbits and men really? Yes, yes. You know, because yeah. Lindir is saying, "Oh." I, we can't tell the difference between you and Bilbo is saying, no, we're very different. But in reality, it, I mean, is, is that informing the poem? So the poem is about a man's interaction mm. with fairy yeah. is, yeah. is the intent of that exchange to remind us that, Hey, hobbits are the, basically just the other branch of the second born children of Iluvatar. They're very much like men. The same thing would happen to them too. And the same thing may and probably will happen to them. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I doesn't get any closer to Bilbo's intentions, I guess. But right, well, it 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 is a really great point because, of course, the result of Bilbo's question is to get people thinking about mm -hmm. hobbits and men together, right? And to draw attention to the fact that, from Lindir's perspective, Sean, as you say, they're they're in one category. They're like, you know. <laughs> The aftercomers, both of them, right? Right. Some of them more after than the sickly. Others, but, yeah. I know that's the thing. It's got that same condescending tone as all those names yeah. for the, the mortals. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think that that's really important. And and thinking about it, almost would seem, Sean. If I, I think if I'm following uh, following up your comment correctly, um, it almost points to like the application to to Bilbo and Frodo themselves. Right. Right. Um, yeah. This that's is a I'm story thinking. about, you know, Arendel, who was at least kind of mortal, at least in the mortal position, uh, going off to Valinor and what happened to him. Um, oh, and hey, like, remember Hobbits and men, you know, we're both. in. So this applies to Hobbits, too. Right. Yeah. You know, understood sort of more abstractly. Um, and then, of course, it turns out the truth is it's an entirely Hobbit song. Right. So, mm, in yeah. fact, that would seem then to even underscore uh, that, um, you know, I wonder. Do you think Bilbo's question, which we know to be I mean, it's, he's going to he's about to reveal the fact that it's a fake question. Right. It's a trick question. That it's from all the his. Beginning, yeah. Right. Right. And so there. So it, why is he asking it? I mean, just to give Lindir a hard time. Right. I mean, or quite possibly. It sounds like they've got a history. I mean, it's very likely. 
but could it also be, in a sense, uh, sort of trying to distract? So, if you sing the poem, one way to get to to to. If you were worried people were going to take you up on the cheekiness and be like, dude, Bilbo, th- you crossed the line here, man. Like, this is not cool. OK, um, <laughs> uh, if if you were worried, if you were Bilbo and you were worried about that, putting this totally different and frankly irrelevant and in fact completely imaginary and non-relevant um, yeah. uh, question cr- cr- Critical question. So, mm. so Lindir, here's the important thing. Which parts were mine and which parts were Aragorn's? Don't think about the parts themselves. Just think about which right. parts were mine. So it's like, Elrond, I wasn't singing the poem to be cheeky. I just had a bet with Lindir That's that he right. couldn't yeah. tell the difference between Hobbit poetry and man poetry. This is just kind of an yeah. exercise, right? In He's going to bake my bannocks for a week if, yeah. uh, if I'm right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but see, I, I don't know. I mean... That would seem to me like why would Bilbo, if Bilbo were so so afraid of of his reception, why would he even do it? I mean, he has the option just not to sing it, right, or just yeah. sing it to Frodo True. privately or something, you know. Or uh, he he could have a mortals only concert, you know, later on <laughs> uh, behind the backs of the yeah. of the of the old folks. So, oh, um, that's great, you know. But anyway, but it is so he doesn't do so. I, so I have, I have a hard time fully getting behind the reading that he's. Mm-hmm like super worried and trying to distract from any criticism that he might get. Um, yeah. Even though it, I mean, it does seem to fit. I mean, as JJ is pointing out, you know, that again, Aragorn's kind of like, I'm going to back slowly away from this poem and disassociate myself <laughs> entirely from this. But of course, then Bilbo immediately associates him. Right. So Bilbo claims, right. Bilbo, <laughs> Bilbo claims. <laughs> sorry. Lady oh, brilliant. Just, Posted a meme uh, with uh, Statler <laughs> and Waldorf, Waldorf from the Muppets, from the, yeah. uh, our two favorite Muppets that yes, are referenced as, far too often on the show. As uh, Bilbo and Lindir, yeah, that's pretty. Oh, good. that's hilarious! Good stuff. <laughs> that's brilliant. Um, but anyway, yeah. So like, and, and Bilbo is Bill. So, so I guess it's another. Uh, it's another angle on this question. Is Bilbo just throwing Aragorn under the bus here? I mean, here's Aragorn trying to distance himself from the poem, right? And Bilbo's like, oh, yeah, Aragorn totally wrote a significant percentage. That's right. Can you Green tell Stone, notice parts? the thing on Aragorn's I, I had help. Yeah, yeah. He helped me. Aragorn's yeah. like, no. <laughs> Arwen. Arwen's right here. Would you shut up, man? That's right. Yeah. Um, oh. It's, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, one of the things we were talking about a while back before we started looking at the poem was the Elvish reaction to Hobbit poetry, right? Listening to Hobbit poetry. Mm-hmm. And um, right. mm-hmm. uh, we were talking about this in the context of the earlier, um, uh, you know, like when uh, when when Bilbo says, you know, I, I, I need your help with something urgent. Right. And and he's you know talking like I've got to polish this up because it's going to uh, you know, it, it, it's going to be performed tonight and like Elrond's going to hear it. So I, I need your I'm help. giving my paper at Mythmoot in 10 minutes. I exactly. need your help to finish it <laughs> off. Right. Corey's going to be there. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. So he's um, we were talking in that context of what it would mean for the elves to be listening to the hobbits. And on the one hand, it sort of sounds like. 
I'm kind of an amateur and there's these awesome, you know, elvish poets who have been composing poetry for millennia and uh you know I I'm not going to be um um it's not truly good enough for Rivendell, right? It's it's not truly up to up to par for for Rivendell he says. But we were talking about the elves potential interest in Bilbo's poetry, even just as a kind of curiosity, right? For them to uh to understand to to hear songs sung from a completely different perspective than they normally do things. And you know what? Um Bilbo sure gives them that. Bilbo gives them a mortal take on the whole Arendel story. Right? So in that sense, the whole framework of Bilbo's poem is very mortal. If they are interested in a kind of anthropomorphic, uh, uh, or anthropomorphic, anthropological, I mean, from a kind of anthropological perspective, right, in Hobbits and Hobbit poetry, um, he has given them a really fascinating little case study, right? Right. Because he's not just singing a Hobbit song. Right. Like, I mean, he could stand up and sing like, you know, ho, ho, ho to the bottle I go. Right. Mm -hmm. And that would doubtless be, you know, maybe a little bit feeling a little bit less like Rivendell. But again, I kind of question that, too. I mean, if Tralalalali is good enough for Rivendell, then so is ho, ho, ho. Right. So. Right. um, But that by itself, that by itself, that is Bilbo singing one of the many Hobbit songs we've already heard in the book. Um would have given them a glimpse of the Hobbit point of view, right? Think of the walking song, right? Around the corner mm-hmm. there may wait a new road or a secret gate, right? That poem would have given them something about Hobbits, how Hobbits Hobbit-ness. think and yeah. you know, what Hobbit life is like, which would be very different from their own experiences, you know, walking across the Shire. Here, what Bilbo is doing is giving them a Hobbit angle on Elvish stuff, Right. Right. Here's what it's like living with you. Right. Here's what. <laughs> here's what. Here's how you look to us. Here's how your stories look to us. Exactly. Here's how your stories sound to me. Here's my angle on. And and you know here I'm coming back to, and I've already forgotten who it was who was saying about Elrond <laughs> being all elfy. Um, right. Again, you, you guys will tell the Arendel story from an elvish point of view. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Let me so let let me take a crack on a really important story for you guys, but I'm going to tell it from mm. a mortal point of view. In a sense, I think, um, in a sense, I think we can hear Aragorn doing a similar thing in um, uh, in the Luthien poem. Honestly, um, that is, I, th- I think that that's one way to take Aragorn's Luthien poem is that he also is singing like a major elvish um, moment, right? Um, But he is emphasizing different things from what the elves Mm -hmm. normally emphasize. Like you'll notice, Mm -hmm. I mean, think about the way that it's couched in the Silmarillion, right? Um, About how, um, uh, you know, that the... Both the beginning and the end of the Baron and Luthien song in or the Baron and Luthien chapter a chapter of the Silmarillion emphasizes mm-hmm. the loss of Luthien, yeah. right? Right. Uh, right. And how she, whom they love most, is is now. I mean, it's a very Elvish perspective. Oh right? yeah. Um, 
the story, or at least the segment of the story, and uh, and uh, Mary points out that you know he says that the poem is a translation. That's true, but even uh, the like the fact that he chooses the bit that he chooses still seems to me significant, right? And what he chooses is that moment of her encounter mm-hmm. with Baron, and then that kind of final summary nod towards the rest of the story in the final stanzas. So um, there too, I think that we're getting something which is very much like the mortals, you know, so here's how the story sounds when somebody who is in the Baron perspective, right? Who is, who is, who is is connecting with that, even though of course he connects with Luthien too, um, talking about the descendants of Luthien and all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But still he's, he knows that he is the parallel to Baron in this story, especially of course, with (laughs) his relationship with Arwen. So, um, so in a sense it is similar uh, it's it, you know Aragorn's doesn't feel as um, as radical, uh, right? As as Bilbo's. That is the sort of mortal perspective thing. Um, but um, in, yeah. in doing that, is Bilbo sort of reclaiming Arendil as a hero for mortals and not just for elves? Mm. You know, by yeah. by writing what's certainly the first Hobbit perspective poem on Arendil, and probably one of one of few mortal perspective poems on Arendil. Is he sort of reclaiming him for that heritage? Yeah, which is certainly a cheeky thing to do, right? Like, I'm going to stake my own claim in mm-hmm. like, a, you know, your your dad belongs to me too, Elrond. He's not mm-hmm. just an elf story, right? He's also a moral right. story. Um, yeah, and with the link, if I'm remembering correctly, when we were looking at this, we were look, we, one of the things we were doing lately was looking at... Um, uh, the time when Dunedain is used and when Arendel is used, we were trying to remember, like, again, just from the Fellowship of the Ring, what do we know either about Numenor mm-hmm. or about um, uh, Arendel? And as I recall, Arendel is linked explicitly to the Numenorians in the plot synopsis that Aragorn gives afterwards when he's talking about, um, uh, when, you know, when he's talking about the, the you know, the, the, the plot summary that he gives after reciting the Luthien story. I think, mm-hmm. as I recall, he links Arendel explicitly to the Numenorians. He cites Arendel as, you know, the, the, the one who... From him the came the kings yeah. of Numenor or something exactly. like that. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah. good. That's just what Mad Violinist was saying, too. Um, so, yeah, Aragorn, again, is also kind of claiming him. Right. In that way. Mm-hmm. And for Bilbo, um, Sean, thinking about the point you were making about his emphasizing the whole Hobbit human thing. Right. In that response mm-hmm. um, to be like, hey, and, uh, you know, it, although you might not think about it this way. Right. You might think about Arendel as at most a elf and man issue. Right. We hobbits, you know, have a have a uh, perspective on this, too. Right. Mm-hmm. Um because again, it's still this. His story is still a story that speaks to our situation. Mm-hmm. And if Bilbo is smaller, you know, is like a very, very minor league version of this. That's kind of the point, right? Um, right. Arendel yeah. is to yeah. Valinor as Bilbo is to Rivendell, because mm. he's a Hobbit, you know. Um, right. So, yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, and so therefore, okay, so this then leads me to a theory about why Bilbo is asking the trick question. Because one of the effects of the trick question is to 
make Lindir, um, to make Lindir, uh, uh, um, confess, uh, confront the fact that he can't tell the difference between can't tell the, the difference, right? Uh, Lindir ends up acknowledging the gap, right? The gap mm-hmm. between yeah. the Elvish perspective and the mortal perspective, right? Mm-hmm. We think so differently from you guys that pff, I can't tell the difference. Hobbits, men, what difference does it make, right? I can't tell. And you, perhaps Bilbo is gently saying, that's the point. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're, you're, you guys are great and everything, and, and you're, and, but you don't get this. You don't get the mortal perspective. So I'm going to first sing a song which gives you, which shows you the mortal perspective even from a distance. And then through my trick question afterwards, I'm going to make you confront the reality of how far away you are from that mortal perspective, essentially. Yeah. 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 Yes. That's a really interesting point. Okay, so uh, one of the one of the so uh, Alan and Sean, one of the kind of games that we play here sometimes when we're looking at the text is trying to forget everything else that we know, like forget the Silmarillion, forget like right. Imagine ourselves as as Fellowship of the Rings readers in 1954, right? Right. Um, because it's super easy to forget how little we know. That's right. uh, true. And trying to understand the story and the like knowing that that was the audience that Tolkien was writing for, right? It's, it's, uh, it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of interesting to think about it in this way. So Flamifer is pointing out that we know little even about the immortality of the elves thus far. Yes. Well, that's True. I mean, it's true that there have been few explicit references to the fact that elves are immortal. But JJ, that's exactly what yeah, I was thinking that's what too. I was thinking as well. Fairy um, tradition. It's. I think that if elves turn out to die of old age, we'd have to be told that rather than the other way around. I mean, I right. think the the way, especially if we think back to the first introduction we get to elves in the Fellowship of the Ring, is through Sam. And his conversation in the Green Dragon, right? Mm. Um, I don't think we get anything about elves in Chapter One, um, uh, but we do get elves from Sam, and the way that he talks about them. I, you know, Sam thought that he had once seen an elf, right? This idea, you know, we get the idea that they are around, but they are elusive. Um, it, it it seems to invoke a good, yeah. And of course, the sailing sailing stuff uh, belongs to Mond absolutely. Um, it seems to, and this is not even counting what we know from The Hobbit, of course, which is perfectly mm-hmm. legitimate lore to bring in even in 1954. Um, mm-hmm. But even without that, I do think that um, um, we... Well, we've, we've even had the story of Baron and Luthien by this point in the text. Right. Yes. In which Aragorn explicitly talks about Baron being mortal and Luthien... Being immortal, not if I remember correctly, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's uh, immortal. How does he put it? Immortal maiden, elven wise. Yeah, uh, in, okay. in the line of the poem, so yeah. it, it's explicitly mentioned that she's immortal. Yeah, and 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 Aragorn does emphasize the big deal of the boundary crossing mm-hmm. um, and her choice, right? Um, right. So yeah, I mean, I, I 
I agree that there haven't been that many explicit references to it. I think that the references that there have been, especially in the Baron and Luthien context there, have been pretty strong ones. And again, there's a large weight of traditional, um, you know, story underlying it um, <laughs> that I think is is likely to kind of weigh in here. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, exactly, Lincoln. The business about her dying in truth and leaving the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Let's see. I love the addition of shepherds. To sheep, other sheep no doubt appear different, or to shepherds. <laughs> right. But mortals have yeah. not been our study. Um, we have other business. Uh, which... Again, thinking of this as like something which Bilbo has essentially maneuvered Lindir into saying, right, is kind of interesting, right? Yeah. Um, the acknowledgement that like only a subset of elves care anything about mortals, like pay a lick of attention mm, right. to, to, to mortals at all, right? Um, it's it's like not an assumption that it's a thing that you do if you're an elf. No. Um, and again, that's an interesting uh, an interesting confession in the context of of, of this song. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have much other business that we know of, right? Baking bannocks, yes. Singing tralalalali, yeah. right? Maybe they occasionally find a barrel to roll because I hear elves enjoy that. So you know, apparently so. Singing uh, all the time, yep. But studying mortals is somewhere below, like, getting a root canal in terms of priorities. <laughs> yeah. For some of them, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah, they, uh, they, they, they got to avoid uh, that course because it wasn't required for their major, so it was all good. Yeah. Um, it's like muggle studies. Muggle exactly. studies. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. It. Well done. That's it. Um, yeah. 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 Um, teaching trees to talk. See, there you go. Another piece of business that the elves said they got a busy calendar there. Um, my schedule's my mom, full. My mom told I can't me I would never you. be able to do anything with my tree language major, but I showed her. <laughs> That's right. That's right. right. It only took me 7,000 years to pay off my student loans, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, I've got 10,000 more. Exactly. Flamifer, I hear the same thing that it's hard not to think at all about the Bible yeah. when shepherds are mentioned explicitly. Mm. Uh, and it does raise the question, you know, as Flamifer asks, shouldn't the elves be thinking more like shepherds? Like, shouldn't that kind of be their business? Is that what? And I don't know if we can necessarily say, um, I, I, don't, I, I don't know if we can necessarily say that they're wrong. To not do, or like they should be shepherds, and if they don't know, if you know, if they have not studied mortals, then they should be ashamed of themselves. I don't think that we have enough to know that. I don't think that that's necessarily a requisite thing, but it does raise the question, right? To uh, to be a shepherd is like, with the, and I agree with Flamifer, almost sort of inescapable biblical freight of that mm -hmm. word of that yeah. image. Um, that seems obviously like a, whether or not it's something everybody should should be, it's clearly a good thing to be, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so, um, puts Lindir in an interesting position to say, "Oh yeah, I've uh, I've not uh, uh, that's not me. Uh, I don't do that." Um, yeah. Um, okay. Hey, I have an idea. 
Let's do a second slide quickly. Whoa. All a right. second slide. Okay. I feel like we're in like rarefied air. This is. It's two slides is pretty is pretty uh is is pretty ambitious. But I wanted to get to the end of this conversation if we could. I won't argue with you, said Bilbo. I am sleepy after so much music and singing. I'll leave you to guess if you want to. If you want words, to. I'm still Notice not telling you. Yeah. At the end. If you, yeah. If, 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 if you have time in your busy business calendar right. you know, to guess, you can, you can do that. <laughs> Which, by the way, like, Bilbo just, like, eviscerates Lindy. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, the, Bilbo's comebacks are, like, you know, absolutely top every single time. Lindier is losing this insult competition. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> okay, he got up and came towards Frodo. Well, that's over, he said in a low voice. It went off better than I expected. I don't often get asked for a second hearing. What did you think of it? I am not going to try and guess, said Frodo, smiling. You needn't, said Bilbo. As a matter of fact, it was all mine. Except that Aragorn <laughs> insisted on my putting in a green stone. He seemed to think it was important. I don't know why. Otherwise, he obviously thought the whole thing rather above my head, and said that if I had the cheek to make verses about Arendel in the House of Elrond, it was my affair. I suppose he was right. I don't know, said Frodo. It seemed to me to fit somehow, though I can't explain. I was half asleep when you began, and it seemed to follow on from something that I was dreaming about. I didn't understand that it was really you speaking until near the end. Okay. Um... It went off better than I expected, he said. So whatever, <laughs> now, that could be sort of, you know, false humility on Bilbo's part. But this doesn't have the, this doesn't feel like, it sounds like somebody who's genuinely relieved. Yeah. Uh, like, right hey, now, they I actually guess. clapped. So yeah, right, that's exactly. better than they sometimes that was, do. That was a win. And so, yeah, while they're still asking for more, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to bow out. Um, so thinking again, back to the question of what, was Bilbo's intention, right? What what response was Bilbo going for? Mm-hmm. It went off better than I expected is an interesting comment, right? So <laughs> yeah, is, whatever actually. he was expecting, he was expecting what them not to like it, them not to get it, you know? He recites a lot of stuff. Maybe he's used to kind of being, you know, gonged off the show and, and just having to... <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, maybe I mean, this is the highest subject that he's treated in a Hobbit style and maybe his, his Hobbit style poetry doesn't usually... Right. Play. Right. Yeah. yeah. Maybe like you said, you know, there was real applause this time. And maybe a lot of the time it really is just kind of polite. Right. I don't really I don't I don't know if I believe that, though. I, I no, I, I know. I'm just probably, some ideas around. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it's it's a possibility. But I, I don't know. I, I tend to feel like uh, they always probably do appreciate Bilbo's poetry. Yeah. Well, just like if, if you go to France and you try to speak French, a few of the French people will appreciate your pathetic attempts to do so. <laughs> Most of them will mock you and laugh at you like Lindir. Yeah. But some of them will be like, you know what? Good job, American. Yeah. You tried. You tried. Yeah. And I think that there's a little That's bit of that here. Like, yeah. okay, yeah. Bilbo, you know what? Not bad for a mortal, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ray Burns. Is Elrond looking? No. Begins clapping. <laughs> That's great stuff. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah, Belongsman was asking, were the elves clapping nervously and looking at Elrond? Right, exactly. Where yeah. Where is he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Head on a swivel, man. Head on a swivel. All right. Yeah, but I mean, no, I think it does seem likely that Bilbo knows that he was taking a risk, right? That he yeah. was, yeah, yeah, he was giving a, mm-hmm. 
you know, immortal perspective on this really important story and, and mm -hmm. uh, really did not, as I think, uh, yeah, Mike was saying, genuinely didn't know how they would respond to that. I don't think he was right. expecting to have tomatoes chucked at his head, you know, but no. right. But for the, I mean, they could have responded with a kind of stunned silence, you know, like, mm -hmm. uh, how Bill, dare do you know? You talked about who? Yeah. Should you maybe bone up on this story a little more before you tell it? I mean, maybe they just be puzzled. Right. Or maybe right, they would right, just right. be like, yeah, that's interesting, but that's wrong. <laughs> that's just not right. it. You know, that, um, Actually, this is how it happened. Right. Fake <laughs> right. news. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard for me to imagine the elves being, I mean, I'm sure that even if they didn't understand it, I'm sure that even if they were offended by it, um, mm -hmm. they would probably be like sufficiently understanding of Bilbo himself that well, they would, yeah. you know, I mean, again, I don't see them like reacting. I don't see them kicking no. him out the house or anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the sidewalk for you, Bill. Well, that's you got to go out. home, pal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's you, right. Your welcome is 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 uh, is revoked. Um, uh, but uh, no more food for you, Bill. Though no more food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As Mad Violinist says, when Thingol is in is in your family tree, nervousness might be in order. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Aragorn yeah. would do well to remember that about. Him. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, but um, anyway, yeah. So, I, again, I, I don't think he would expect that kind of a negative reaction. But puzzlement, no. uh, confusion, sure. um, I, uh, you know, a a kind of polite applause, which suggested that they didn't get it and were just being polite. Mm -hmm. Right. But right. instead, they seem to be genuinely interested, um, yeah. you know, the, as reflected in their desire to hear it again. Um, mm -hmm. So, um so yeah, I I I I definitely think that would have been one of the things that he was concerned about that. Um Yeah. Especially since he immediately says I don't often get asked for a second hearing, right? Mm -hmm. And that seems yeah. to suggest not just appreciation, but like genuine interest. Like I would like yeah. to understand right. this better. I would like to hear it again. Um and uh and I think he's going to sing it again probably another time, but uh but Sure. You know, he doesn't he doesn't do it then. Um, yeah. Um, so. Aragorn insisting on his putting in a green stone, which is a very minor reference. Right. And on right. his yeah. breast in Emerald is like apparently the one line which Aragorn yep. influenced. Right. Uh, right. In this. And of course, as we noticed when we saw the um, um, uh, the history of the poem, the Emerald is one of the constants, actually. Um, ironically, that would have been one of the few things that Aragorn wouldn't have had to insist upon because it's one of the things that's in every version of the poem. Not always the same way. Right, I think yeah. his, right. uh, his sword is an Emerald in Errantry. And his in the second yeah. version, he's got Scabbard? an Emerald somewhere else in his helm. Maybe, yeah. and then is the emerald yeah. is on his breast in the A. Arendel poem. So it kind of shifts around. Of course, the only mm. line that's identical in all three versions of the poem is uh, his scabbard of the scabbard. Yeah. is the only yeah. line that's exactly the same in all the poems. Um, so not quite as constant as the chalcedony, but the emerald is always involved, right? Um, right. Uh, and yet, so despite the fact that the emerald was a guarantee, um, uh, we're told that Aragorn had to um, insist on it. Um, 
Which does make it interesting when you read in Adventures of Tom Bombadil that Errantry was uh, another poem by Bilbo. Yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. true. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, of course, it's especially interesting that Aragorn is insisting on his putting in the green stone. Mm-hmm. Like, make sure you mention me <laughs> right make sure you yeah, mention right. the elf stone right yeah i want to make I, on the one hand i want to distance myself from this yeah. poem but on the other hand right, i want to right. make sure i get an easter egg in there yeah right? that's right e-l-e-s-s-a-r <laughs> that's right two s's don't forget that yeah. right <laughs> yeah yeah um uh, that is really interesting to me like uh is is this Aragorn kind of staking his claim in a sense of being like not claim mm. to the poem, but claim in Arendel, no. right? Claim to right, Arendel. Right. Yeah. You know, showing that because the fact that he, uh, you know, that, that Elrond is going to be bearing the elf stone, right? The LSR on his breast um, is, you know, then linking him directly back to Arendel. So we want to, we, we want to make sure we emphasize that um, as a very understated way of, saying basically exactly what Aragorn said in prose after the Luthien poem mm-hmm. about how, how Arendel was the father of the kings of Numenor, right? Right. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> so is this Aragorn just trying to make sure that everybody in the room is reminded that uh, that he's of that lineage? Not that anybody's forgotten. But... Yeah, I can't imagine anyone would forget, which is one of the things that makes it weird, right? I mean, yeah. it's not... There doesn't seem like a plot-based reason in in that way, right? Like to no. to to mm-hmm. to to remind folks. Um, is it because in the context of when he of when Bilbo mentions it, right? Aragorn insisted on my putting in a green stone. He seemed to think it important. I don't know why. Otherwise, he obviously thought the whole thing rather above my head, right? Um, right. So. He associates Bilbo associate, you know, he says, OK, the whole thing is above your head. I'm not going to touch this with the 10 foot pole, except it's super important that you add the green stone. Right. The green stone can't be left out. Um, right. So if this is the one thing. Because the thing is, again, the, what I just can't get around is that w- one way or the other, whether you see it as the, you know, forefather of the Numenorians element, or whether you see it as the personal, like, yeah, I am LSR and that's the green stone, and so I totally deserve to be in this. Um, uh, whether it's the lineage or whether it's himself the effect in both cases is to give him a kind of stake in this poem. If Bilbo's message in the poem is this is the mortal perspective on this and it's relevant to hobbits, you know, again, Sean, as you were talking about before, then mm-hmm. by putting in the green stone the, in through that one line, Aragorn is basically saying like, and men, right. You know, it's, uh, I co-sign this whole poem, right, sort of. exactly. right? Despite what I'm saying out loud. But. Yes, exactly. I mean, that's why I can't. Um, I can't. It seems to. It seems to kind of stand on its head, right? Um, mm-hmm. If you're going to do this, which you shouldn't, 
then you should put in a green stone, right? Uh, so as to so as to uh, uh, kind of loop me in, but in a really low key yeah. kind of way, in which I can still have deniability. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, as JJ says, the words of this ranger stand on their heads, uh, which it, <laughs> it does. It does kind of seem really. Um, a little bit. In five years. We need to return to the Greenstone in five years when we reach Galadriel's gifts. gifts. That may be optimistic, Ambrosius. Right. That may be optimistic. I don't know. That's in this book, man. It's only taken us. That's true. This is sec- This is session number 29, I think, on this chapter. Uh, so, we, so we've only been discussing well. this chapter, therefore, for like seven to eight months. Uh, so at that rate, oh, we should get to we should get to Love Lorien, uh like three in, years. Yeah, yeah, a good three years. No, and no, that's not a joke. No, that's really no, that's, that's about right. That's probably it. wow. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so making yeah. us look like Usain Bolt here. I mean, we are just I mean, yeah, exactly. Really flying through this stuff. Exactly. So, and I thought we were going slow, taking five episodes. Anyway, yeah, yeah, you're. I can't, I can't decide. I think I, I think I have to think about this more because I'm I'm not sure I have a good reading. I, I'd really appreciate other people's thoughts, and if if anyone has you know anyone who's listening asynchronously has ideas, I hope you can post them to our discussion board because I don't feel like I have a good, clear reading for what's going on with Aragorn here. Based on, of course, we don't have a firsthand account, right? This is. Uh, this is Bilbo's explanation to Frodo. So we're a couple removes from what Aragorn himself actually was uh, thinking or or or, or doing. Um, but I, um, if it weren't for the business about the green stone, it would make perfect sense. Like if all we had was he obviously thought the whole thing rather above my head, etc. Then that. I would, I would get that right. I wouldn't feel like there's any trouble, um, right? But to say that and then be like, "Oh, P.S. Greenstone, make sure that's in there." Mm-hmm. Am I going too far to think about it? I mean, it, it, is my premise that it's in some way self-referential on Aragorn's part? Is that going too far? We haven't had it yet. I mean, certainly at this point in the story, there's no reason to associate that with Aragorn. Bilbo doesn't associate it with Aragorn. Right? No. He clearly. admits he doesn't have any idea mm-hmm. why the green stone was important. Right? It's only in retrospect that we can begin to understand what was important about it to Aragorn. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so Ambrosius Aurelianus was asking, does Aragorn already have a green stone or does he only get one from Galadriel later? Cause it would make more sense if he already had one. Um, yeah, no, I don't think so, but I do suspect he knows the name that is foretold for him. Uh, right. So I think that he knows that there is a green stone in his future <laughs> already. Um, uh, yeah, Arden Cran is reminding us of the elf stone, of course, left on the bridge by Glorfindel, which right, right, yeah, would have to be the immediate reference that we again, if again, 1954, we're in this chapter, first time reading the book, mm. that has to be the only thing that we um, 
um, that Could we connect back would to connect him. to it, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, a barrel, an elf stone. Um, And so, therefore, it's significant because it's a green stone, which is an elf stone, which has is connected with the power of elves. As we see Gorfindel leaving, he calls it a token on the bridge. Um, uh, Aragorn seems to suggest that it's that it has some power to uh, discomfort the Black Riders, right? Uh, when it's left on the bridge like that, like to secure the bridge, in a sense. Um, uh, and so Aragorn thinks it's important for us to associate Arendel with that. It's weird, though, because if he's thinking of the Elfstone, um, if Aragorn is thinking of, of, of the barrel, then what he's doing is kind of making Arendel more elfy. Mm-hmm. In insisting on the adding of a green stone, which would right. seem to be going against Bilbo's motivations. And the, so if that were the case, Aragorn would be kind of, I don't know what, soft peddling the whole the whole mortal angle thing, right? Let's at least right. throw the elf nature a bone here, right, in the description and not, uh, not rule that out entirely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, are we maybe supposed to view this the way Bilbo does? You know, Bilbo says he seemed to think it important. I don't know why. Yeah. Right? We, we aren't supposed to know why yet. We'll figure it out later. It's it's a textual ruin that we will eventually get to see the rest of. Yeah. But for now, we're not we're not worried about it. We're just, okay, well, then apparently a green stone's important. Maybe we'll find out later why that is. Yes. I mean, we're not supposed to go back to tie this to the green stone on the bridge, perhaps. Probably not. Again, I'm just trying to think of what yeah. kind of associations we could be plausible to have. Uh, right. Um, uh, yeah. Um, or is the fact that, that Bilbo doesn't understand the significance of the green stone in the poem meant to be sort of ironic to us, the reader, say, oh, but we remember a green stone from just the last chapter or, yeah, the previous right. chapter. Right. From about five months ago. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> ever so long. I barely yeah. remember it now, but um, yeah. yeah. And so yeah. is that is that is Bilbo's uh, lack of knowledge of the Green Stone meant to remind us that we actually do have knowledge of the Green Stone, and mm. then to to okay. more explicitly to to kind of lead us to the barrel that Glorfindel yeah. left at the bridge. Yeah, it could, it could. Um, yeah, JJ is sort of summarizing the Elfstone version of this as it's important to remember as mortal as Arendel is, there was still some elfiness too. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for thoughtless, I agree with you. There can't be a literal connection like that is, it's not that the green stone that Aragorn is going to be wearing on his breast is the same one as Arendel. That's not the case. Here, catch. Right, exactly. Yeah. It, uh, it, uh, it got a little bit tarnished in, uh, in reentry, but, uh, here it is. <laughs> yeah. You know, we found this meteor. We went to, we went to the meteorite site and there was a green stone. Um, but, um, yeah, no, it's not, it's not. It doesn't tie him to Arendel in the way that, like, his ring ties him to to Baron, for instance. Right, right. right. Um, Symbolic. But, 
yeah, yeah, a, a more yeah. symbolic parallel, really. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, Xenia, you're absolutely right. Xenia's recalling Michael Drought's uh, dictum about the story yeah. tending to be told by the person with the least knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, so Bilbo's expression of ignorance here certainly fits in there and gives us a glimpse of right. um, even if the only thing that we get is that there is a significance and we don't know it because Bilbo doesn't know it, right? Even if the right. only thing that happens is we're left wondering... Why are green stones important? What's what's mm -hmm. the significance of the emerald? Um, even right. if merely wondering about that uh, is the result, that would seem to be an important result. Um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Okay. Um, last thing here, looking at Frodo's comment. Um, it seemed to me to fit somehow, though I can't explain. I was half asleep when you began, but it's and it seemed to follow on from something that I was dreaming about. I'm remembering back to what I for detail was saying in the first uh, question that we were reading earlier on um, about the apparent link between those uh, the seas sighing on uh, on 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 the the, the shores, right? Um, and then the segue into Arendel. Um It seemed to me to fit somehow. Is interesting. Is this Frodo responding? Because no, he's not saying that it that he responded to it. Right? He's not describing his own resonance with it. He's describing. Um, he's describing the way that it fit together with the Elvish song that came before. Right. Mm. Um, it seemed to follow on from something that I was dreaming about dreaming because of being under the influence of Elvish song, uh, as we saw before, um, he didn't hear the difference. So this is really interesting, right? If Bilbo's poem is almost a kind of a shock piece, right? Let me do, <coughs> let me do this thing, you know, this familiar song to you, one of your great songs from a completely shockingly different perspective, right? Um, and then Frodo says, yeah, I thought actually it fit really. It seemed to just follow right along from what the elves were singing. Um, that would suggest that either Frodo wasn't paying much attention to the song. <laughs> and was like, I was in oceans and then you were saying mariners. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I can I, I can roll with I'm that. I'm there. I'm there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally yeah. track it. Um, or I hope more likely um, that basically Frodo who, of course, can tell sheep apart and that kind of thing, um, mm -hmm. being a sheep, um, he can see sort of the whole picture. Perhaps, in a sense, here is getting something that Bilbo was trying to to get at, right? Whereas we've been emphasizing how Bilbo seems to be trying to say to the elves, hey, step outside your songs and think about this from the mortal perspective, right? Think about what it is like for us. Frodo is sort of one step further back hearing both hearing the elves sing and hearing mm -hmm. Bilbo sing. So, so Frodo is in the audience for both performances of like the battles of the bands there. Right. And he is able to give a perspective on how the two of them go together. And he says, Hey, you know what? 
Like, I thought that was great, actually. First, I was getting this elvish perspective on, you know, the seas at the margins of the world and stuff. And then I was getting you on, a, you know, this mortal perspective through the A. Arendel story. And, you know, like those two really went together. Those two really there's those two mm. fit in an important way. Of course, exactly as A. Arendel himself is mortal and elf combined together. Right. So mm-hmm. maybe Frodo perhaps alone in the room or one of the very few in the room who is able to hear that from those two perspectives and say, rather than taking either half of it just for granted, right? Bilbo singing from the mortal perspective, the elves singing from the elvish perspective that Frodo can really see how the elf and the mortal sides kind of merge together. Um, Mm -hmm. As of course we have to, to an extent in Elrond, of course, in the sense that he's half elven, but he's, He's half elven technically, but he's you know he's uh, on the elf side, right? I mean, he's right, chosen yeah. the elf side. Mm-hmm. Arendel is really the one who. I mean, he does choose the elf side, um, but Arendel's more sort of the more pure meeting of the elvish and the and the mm-hmm. human together, right? Whereas again, Elrond has, uh, um, you know been more wholly adopted by the Elvish side and has been living the Elvish life now mm-hmm. for thousands of years. Um, yeah. yeah. Isn't it interesting that, that Frodo sees um, the same lack of distinction between Bilbo's song and the Elvish song that came before. So it's like, he can't tell the difference between the Elvish song and Bilbo's song in the same way that Lindir can't tell the difference between Bilbo's lines and Aragorn's lines. Yeah. Is that is 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 Frodo seeing a similarity or a cohesion between Bilbo and the elves? It seems like it, I think, in, in a sense that just as just as Bilbo's question prompts Lindir to like confess how distant he is from the mortal side of things, mm-hmm. Frodo's observation would seem to um uh I don't know if correct Bilbo is exactly. I mean, if if Bilbo is basically being kind of all in your face about the mortal side of things, mm-hmm. right, with this song, and Frodo is basically saying, yeah, you know what? Actually, from the outside, they really they really went together really well, right? That 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 really worked. That was really. You were just saying that you thought it was inappropriate, or Aragorn was telling you it was inappropriate, and and I, you know, honestly it seemed really completely appropriate that those things do really fit mm-hmm. together in a really important way. Um, they're not the same, right? <clears throat> but maybe they do, to go back to the earlier metaphor, they fit together not like two sheep fit together, but they fit together like sheep and shepherds, right? Sheep and shepherds mm-hmm. fit together. Um, yeah. They they are different, but they make a harmonious you know, uh, 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 grouping. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that maybe there's some sense of that, that kind of came through, uh, to Frodo. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fourth Dauntless is saying that, uh, the, the experience of one single song, uh, bubbling up from the surrounding musical themes has some relevance, especially given the nature of Frodo's dream. Perhaps this is more evidence um, that Frodo is sensitive to the music. Um, that's really interesting. You know, the, 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 the particular kind of dream experience that Frodo was having um, before, this, before they began 
before Bilbo's song began and the way that that is described kind of bubbling up out of that dreaming experience that he was ha- that he was having it's possible that when Frodo says it seemed to follow on from something that I was dreaming about he isn't just referring to the elvish music that came before mm. that there was in fact something else that was being mm-hmm. kind of transmitted to yeah. Frodo through that experience and that is what really kind of fit together um yeah possibly possibly um yeah ardent crayon that would be a really um thinking about so ardent ardent crayon is thinking about both frodo's trance-like experience of the elven music on the one hand and the sort of delusional state that he's in under the influence of the morgul blade like the the the, the grayness and the shadows that you know that mm-hmm. come across his vision and his being able to see the writers and mm-hmm. see his friends less and less um, that would be a really interesting comparison to me Arden Crown actually to be looking at the the kind of alternative state right the alternative mental and spiritual state that Frodo gets in um, influenced by evil right influenced by mm-hmm. the, the Morgul weapon influenced by the ring and to compare that to enchantment, right? To, to examples of enchantment when people are being kind of taken out of themselves by, uh, by Elvish music. Um, I think that that's, um, uh, I think that that's very, I, I, I think that would be, I, there, there's a lot more to do there. That would be a really good mood paper. By the way, somebody oh. wanted to wanted to do a little study on that and talk about some passages there. Um, that would be a really good uh, moot discussion topic. Um, cool. All right, we're gonna stop there because it's late. Um, and uh, surprise, surprise, uh, I started late and I'm running late. Um, but so we're gonna we're gonna stop our textual discussion there, and we're gonna we're gonna do field trip stuff. Normally, this is when I say goodbye to the folks on Twitter, but I didn't even start the Twitter stream tonight because it was too much. Uh, this is um, this is already enough complexity, I think. Um, <laughs> All right, so I got to get into uh, I got to launch the game. I mean, I'm, I've got the launcher up, but you need me to go ahead and okay, yeah. Yeah, so we're gonna okay. go in. So we're in Bree. Where's your? Where's your? So uh, Alan I don't has a know. But, oh, I'm in Bree. I'm sure. Uh, Sean does yeah. not. So Sean's gonna be following along on Twitter, mm-hmm. or on Twitch rather. Right. Yep. Said Twitter. Okay. I'll, I'm joining via Palantir. That's my. There you uh, go. That's my official line. That's right. <laughs> Hi guys. Excuse me. <laughs> okay. Hey, Valerie. All right. Why is it not? Good evening, everybody. This is a fun discussion. What? Why is it not running? <laughs> it's walking like zero O'Carr. It told me it was not optimized for my Mac, um, but I'm not running the new 64-bit OS. Dun, dun, dun. Hold on. Seriously, nothing. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Um, Alan, while you try to get that, I know you've seen some of the early things. Why don't we take, mm-hmm. we'll do a quick uh, tour of yeah. the Prancing Pony for Sean. Okay. Uh, Sounds great. And In Alan, the meantime, I'll keep that, trying to so. launch. I have, of course, many yeah. times. Yeah. Um, okay. okay. So 
so, if so I, I need to, I can go through. back upstairs to my other computer and get in that way, but I'll have to, um, I don't have Discord on that computer. Would I, yeah, that'll be a problem. I, I use it on my phone. If you have the app on your phone, that's what I use. What the heck? Why is it not launching? It, it, it just goes blank. I get nothing. Hmm. All right. Um, this is bad. Yeah, I did patch, actually. I, um, In fact, I just ran the launcher. The launcher works, but then the game just disappears. Uh, We're trapped in here. <laughs> well, worst case, you could always just join us on Twitch, too, if... Uh... Well, I'm trying to see if I can find it. Okay, so let's head out to... Let's just go around the corner to the Prancing Pony. Yeah, sounds good. So, yeah, no, that was literally a hall of fire. Everybody was getting burned and <laughs> yes. roasted. <laughs> so we're in Brie right now. This is, we're uh... in Brie right now. So this, the place where mm-hmm. we were there is the lecture hall that the the game developers kindly made for me when I started exploring the Lord of the Rings. Um, so that room in the game is basically the closest thing Signum University has to a campus. That's <laughs> it's basically our campus. Um, right the, across uh, from the crazy cat lady's house. Exactly. Right across from the... Which is totally appropriate. Um, yeah. One of you've the, met uh, professors, yeah. Um, one of the, the... The director of higher education in uh, with the Department of Education in the state of New Hampshire dared me uh, to show the lecture hall to um, our evaluators when we were up for state approval. Um, <laughs> just to say, like, I'll give you a campus tour and then take them into the game. Um, I did what? not end up taking him up on that dare, but... Oh, nuts. <laughs> anyway, okay. So, all right. So, Sean, this is one of the main streets of Bree. That's the West Gate down there that they came in the first time. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, Harry Goatleaf is hanging around down there. Uh, so okay. we're going to go up the hill. Uh, so the, the Prancing Pony is straight on down this road up at the uh, the, the highest point in Bree here. Uh, I really like... I've always really liked the architecture in Bree. Uh, they do a really good job of capturing... This is an you know an old human style of architecture. Um, a lot of these like a lot these uh, stone walls are the old stone walls. You can see we've done I've done a lot of archaeological investigation around here, and you can see there's <laughs> there's the classic style of the old Arnorian ruins that you still find in this region mm. from the old days. But in and in Brie, you can still see some of those because of course this crossroads was right at a really right. important spot. Uh, during right. the times of the Arnorian Civil War, but you can also still see all the pre-Numenorian stuff uh, in Bree, and the Prancing <sighs> Pony here is uh, pure, pure human architecture pre, uh, pre, Arnor, pre pre-Numenorian uh, mm-hmm. uh, incursion mm-hmm. here. Um, yeah, it's got half timber style with uh, plaster walls and brick right. base on well, that. Exactly. Okay. While you're silent, I'll just tell you we're gonna we're out of luck here. Uh, okay. I cannot get, I cannot get it to launch. I can't even get that error message about not being optimized anymore. It just simply won't launch, and unfortunately, I, I can't. The, the upstairs computer hasn't been patched because I didn't think I'd have to do it from up there. Right. So uh, right. if I went up there, by the time it's updated, we're done. So oh, Durthal will have to, uh, will we'll have to wait. Okay. So Aww. well, we can still show you some things on screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to. Cool. Okay. So let's see. Okay, so we go into the Prancing Pony. So there, let's see. I think there's some some people that we can meet out here. 
Um, uh, this is a regularly scheduled music concert by the Musica Bendito. Right. Right, yeah, so we got some music going on here. Oh, yeah. Uh, Happy Dia de los Muertos. <laughs> that's right. Oh, cool. Um, and I think, is 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 Bob out here? Uh, Nob is over here but... to the left, to the right. Oh, yes. Which side? He's on the other side? He's coming by the band. Oh, he's coming. Oh, that's right. He walks around. I forgot. He walks around. Yeah, that's So he's not just hanging out by the horses. There he is. There's Nob. Thought he was getting his feet run off. He's a busy guy, this guy. Right. There's Nob carrying his bucket. Okay. All right. Uh, Okay. So. You know, Corey, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to try one more thing. I'm going to go ahead and log out, reboot. I know that I'll have to find the link again to get into the GoToWebinar, but uh, I'll be right back and then I'll log into Discord as well and see if I can get into the game. Okay, okay. I will try to Good luck. On you there. All right, thanks, man. Be back. Okay. All right, so here's the inside of the Prancing Pony. Uh, so this is the common room, huh? Is this? Yeah, this is this is the common room over there. It's a large common room. We've got yeah. Butterbur here behind the counter. We've got uh, uh, dwarves here, right? Patron and traveling dwarf uh, standing around. So we've got a we've got a, a fairly diverse crowd of uh, of of men and dwarves. There are more hobbits here than we see in the um, uh, in the book. Um, like uh, oh, and the in- minstrel over here. The ale association is doing their uh, their rush week. So uh, there's drinking challenges over here. There's drinking challenges going on. Yeah, the yeah. harvest. What, what could go wrong? Pub run, you got to dr- down six and go to the next station. Right. Oh, what could go wrong indeed? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so this is a, uh, this is a, a, it's, it's a lovely room. Um, it's, so one of the general effects that I find in um, in Lotro, one of the things that's pretty universal, is that almost everything is bigger in the game than it's described in the book, um, and they mm. do this very consciously. And I I I've, I generally agree um, with the. Um, uh, with their with their choice, the principle that, as they've described it to me, is that basically, if if you try to make everything exactly realistically proportioned as it's described in the book, it will end up looking really, um, well, like underwhelming when you get mm-hmm. there in the game. Right. Uh, so one of the examples, uh, one of the sort of most dramatic examples of this, is the Stone of Erech. Uh, so the stone of Erech, as it's, I mean, it's described in the book and it's pretty clear how large it is. And it's not that big. It's about six feet across. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's half buried in the mm-hmm. ground. Um, and, you know, as uh, uh, Chris Pearson, the, the one of the lead developers, was uh, right. telling me about that when we were talking, when they first introduced that area of Gondor. He said, basically, if you put in the game the stone of Erech exactly as it's described, you're going to walk up to it and it's going to look like a coffee table. Basically, it's going to be about the size of a coffee table. Mm-hmm. Um, you won't even be able to see it from like 10 feet away. Like the grass will be taller than it. Right. Um, <laughs> so 
And that would be, you know, it doesn't convey the sense of the significance of that spot, right? Especially like with the Stone of Erech being a, a really classic example, right? Of one of those places where you go and it it it's like the kind of impact that it has, the the that that sense of 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 foreboding, of ominousness mm-hmm. that's attached to it, right? It just Right. It feels like a powerful spot. It's imposing. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They wanted to they, they wanted to be true not to the so they chose to deviate from the actual description in the book in order to try to create the kind of effect that is described right. in the book. Mm-hmm. So the stone and, you know, of the wreck is like 25 feet across. It's absolutely enormous. <laughs> like when you stand yeah, next it to it, it's, it's, yeah, it's like, it's like 20 feet tall. Um, cool. But it looks really cool from a distance. Like you come, you, you see it on the hilltop and it, it, it has this really striking, it looks so alien, right? This perfect globe. It's like one of the monoliths from 2001 or something. Yes. yes, round, yes except yes. round. Except round. Yeah. It's a perfect three in diameter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, um, yeah, it's very similar to, like, how um, they'll do it with movies. There's so many behind-the-scenes footage you get about people wanting to film things in historic locations, and they get to the historic location, they go, oh, this is just kind of lame, and, boy, these mm. people were short, and this table's boring. And, and then they say, <laughs> okay, forget it. We're going to build a set. And that's what happens, like, <laughs> right. Right. nine times out of ten. Yeah, so, I mean, I say that because, so, like, the, the common room of the Prancing Pony here, right, Um this seems to me pretty obviously much bigger than it would have been uh, in the book. I mean, like the way that Frodo, like when Frodo stands up and addresses the company, I mean, if you imagine like, you know, Frodo and Pippin and Sam seated at like this table over here, right? Um, If Frodo were to stand up and address the company, even before he starts singing, um, I mean, like the people on the far side of this room that we're seeing here would barely even be able to hear, you know, well, they wouldn't be able mm-hmm. to see him and they wouldn't even be right. able to hear that he was talking. Right. So it, it seems pretty clear that the common room was a much more sort of small, more communal gathering um, spot than this is. And yet I like the effect of this, the sense of this is like this feels like a gathering, a potential gathering place for like, m- you know, much of the town. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it should have that kind of that kind of feeling, I think. And yet they mm-hmm. still manage with the with the pillars and sort of the low ceilings um, uh, and the bench tables to create that kind of sort of, you know, and you can see people certainly, you know, standing on tables and singing songs. And mm-hmm. it know, still feels cozy. Together. Yeah, it does feel cozy. Mm-hmm. It's just pretty big. So it's more of a community <laughs> center. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's community cozy. Just exactly. Not cozy, cozy. Fellowship Hall. Women's Institute thing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Sorry, I'm bringing Alan back in here after his reboot. And we'll see. No luck? Okay. Sorry. Oh. That's unfortunate. Good gravy. Oh, you guys don't have to mount up. I just mounted up because that's what I automatically do and we're not going anywhere for some reason. <laughs> we can't hear Alan, by the way. Okay, right. Yeah, you can't hear Alan. That's okay. So Alan uh, said it didn't work. So, But he's coming back into Discord. Yes. 
in the lore hall. There we, we go. We fixed that. Sorry, yeah, folks. There we go. No, that was because when you came back into Discord, yeah, you got remuted. Yeah. Uh, blame blame Mac and blame uh, blame Standing Stone for not working with Mac. Apparently. All right. <laughs> um, they have a wine client for yeah, a local. Let me just get back to you. Um, by yeah. the way, that here's here's a shot of the Stone of Iraq in game. If you see on the Twitch channel. Ooh, oh, wow. Nice. Nice. Space rock. That is imposing. It's yeah. very imposing. Again, you can see the person <coughs> next to it for scale. Yeah, so on scale. the one hand, it's kind Man. of ridiculous. And yet, again, like when you see that from a I mean, you can see this from like a mile away. And it's just it's oh, yeah. such a cool mm-hmm. effect. The this I mean, it really does look like something dropped in by aliens, which I think yeah. is exactly the effect that it should have. Like uh, that's, that's right. right. Absolutely. Just right. how people thought of it. Okay, it, so it's it looks like if you broke a vow on this stone, you'd really be in trouble. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, okay, so um, let's uh, let's let's head over to Rivendell briefly, so we can see the House of Elrond. Uh, so um, I think we can probably. I say, Kiran, are you just going to summon me? Uh, I can port you there. Okay, let's do that. Uh, I can port. Uh, other people who can't get there on their own. Yes, if there's anybody who is here with us in game who needs a port, you can. Yeah, I can do the same. Okay, uh, I'll stand Don't over worry. here by this le- the signpost. Anyone who wants to be fellowed and ported by me, come stand by the signpost. And I'm over by Erling, by the fountain. That's right. So I got to come near you, right? So you can port me. Okay. All right. Anyone else? Any more takers? Getting people okay. in the village. Okay. All right. All right. I got two. Anyone else? Last call. Last call. I've got two, three. All trains, right. Looks like we're all even for Rivendell. All right. When you get the little clicky thing, click on the little thingy. Uh, Frilla, you're already in a fellowship. I can't invite you. I got her. Okay. All right. All aboard. Okay. Heading to Rivendell by ways of Ostgaruth. Trollshaws. And the last homely house. Okay. So here is... This is mm-hmm. the main bridge into Rivendell. That's the last homely house that we see across the way there. One of the things that I love most, uh, Sean, about the representation of this is if you look at the, like the right beneath the sort of central tower of the house there, this little mm-hmm. like roof cupola, it looks like an open book. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, oh, wow. Front, yeah. As if it's like yeah. the house of story. Right? This, this is the lore house. Yeah. Exactly. Right. I, I really, I really love that. Uh, that is super that, cool. That little detail there. Um, this is uh, okay. This is the main bridge of Rivendell that the dwarves were uncomfortable going across. Uh, this bridge, <laughs> by the way, if it's to scale, um, makes the business about don't dip your beard in the foam, father, even funnier, <laughs> actually, because it would be a joke on the length of the dwarves' beards, right? Like, right, right. You know, right. we're assuming that you do have the whole ZZ Top action foot. going exactly. on. Exactly. <laughs> Jaws, 17 foot beards. Uh, right. Uh, so everybody's crazy about a sharp dressed dwarf, right, Sean? <laughs> That's right. That's right. 
Plus, it's easy to talk more Dr. Seuss at that point. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> they unroll like red carpets. Good one. Exactly. Okay, so let's see if Narnian can make it across the bridges without falling off. Um, I've uh, th- there are a lot of low railing bridges, narrow bridges with low railings um, that I either run off <laughs> railing of, kill, yeah, like that one or this one where I don't. You can't escape it once you get on it, but I'll come up here on horseback and just miss it and just go. Oh yeah, into yeah. The river, um, such that I've <laughs> in my Lotro streams. Uh, have now utilize it as a verb, you know, say, I, like, I, I hope I don't Rivendell this bridge. Um, oh, goodness. That's awesome. That's, <laughs> uh, Elves don't uh, care much for OSHA safety yeah, standards. Pretty, pretty <laughs> characteristic. Um, no railings, no So, nothing. by the way, okay, so quiz, guys. Who's the statue? <laughs> Out in front, we have a statue of... I can't quite see. Let me open up my browser window a little bit more. Oh, that's going to be uh, Gil- that Gil- Gilgalad. Gilgalad. Yeah. Gilgalad. That's Agwas. And the stars on his shield. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And then we have uh, this one's pretty easy. Hard to see her clearly. There we go. Oh, well. Oh, well, she's dancing. So. Yeah, the dancing girl. Yeah, that's J Lo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? I got it. Uh, Nicki yeah, Minaj, welcome to this century. Come on. And now, does anyone know what kind of flowers those are around the statue of Luthien? Or I oh, Kelebrimbor, Kelebrimbor, yes. with his hammer, his jeweler's hammer, and his ring yep. that he's holding up. Yes. Somebody take those things away from him, please. Seriously, can we please <laughs> just? Like... So we should vandalize like... that statue. Yeah. yeah. A little late for that before, at this juncture. His yeah. facial expression is really, he looks like kind of, uh, does he not look happy in this picture? Unsatisfied. <laughs> yeah. Well, he is Feanor's grandson. That is true. <laughs> he heard about he heard about what we said about his grandfather. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, the Prince of Pony guys are coming tonight. Great. Oh, those guys. Yeah. I disavowed him, guys. I disavowed him. Okay. Yeah, fine, but then he went and made the rings, man. <laughs> well, you know, anybody can make a mistake. You went and served Sauron. This architecture is really interesting. I mean, that's one me, thing yeah. I love about the this game. Is the I... first, this is the first Elvish architecture I'm seeing in this game. Really? Um, it's, it's well because I've never played before. It's a pretty right. good example. Um, um, and it's one of the things that I really love. Um, you know, we do a lot of looking at architecture in these field trips. And um, <laughs> a lot. A lot. Just a bit. A lot. Um, a little bit. Not so you'd notice. This is where I should mention what I do for a day job. I actually am an architectural photographer. Oh, So for me, I, I notice these things in game a lot when I'm not just trying to, you know, level up or, you know, get the next crafting tier. Uh, but, yeah, it's pretty fascinating. And I, I imagine myself kind of thinking, well, see, how would I shoot this place? Right. Uh, this one's tough. It's too tall. <laughs> Yeah, this one, yeah. this one is too tall. And it's open to the sky, too. So it's, uh, um, you get straight up to the stars. And this, of course, is Elbereth. Oh, uh, of course. At least that's what we've always sort of yeah. assumed. Um, when I first came in, I remember when I first entered this building, yeah, I'm like, is that Luthien? Like, with the hair, right? I mean, all the hair. Right, right. Like, it's, right. It's like Luthien in her cloak of hair. Magic but then hair. I was like, yeah, no, I think it's got to be, it's got to be Elbereth. 
Yeah, um, it's got to be. This is more like a. This isn't a statue. This is more like a shrine. It's exactly. it's almost a. It's got some yeah. religious significance almost. A lot yeah. of Marian influence on that. Yes. yes. Yeah. True. Exactly. And she is the one that they revere more than more than any other. So yeah. And I love yep. the fact that. Whoops. Sorry. Little camera shift there. I love the fact that she. Um, you, you can see her ears. Right, because it's it's the hearing. It's all about the hearing with Elbereth, right? Oh, so I can, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Out there, right, right, and even the like the sort of the the, the like her, uh, you know, her her sort of sideburns right come down, but trace <laughs> the line back up to her. Those are like uh, anime dealies. It's a thing. Yeah, don't let her hear you say that. Don't let her hear you say that. That's right, and that's pretty. Tough. Anime's cool. Not letting her hear you say things. I know that's what I'm saying. Because yeah. can we see the detail on the cloak? Uh, the the little, I don't know what it's called, but the her her cloak, yeah, mantle. <laughs> the mantle. That's the word yeah. I'm looking for. I don't see looking around from the side. I don't think that, it's just yeah. mostly. It's yeah. just designed. On the, on the, well, on it the is open to the elements. It might have worn away. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Whoa. I was just curious if we might see a you know star pattern or something there. Right. Is this a fountain? I don't think I've noticed this. Is this supposed nice to be hat. a pool or a fountain? That's definitely no. no it's it's marble. Okay, it's marble. It's marble. Yeah. It How many like stories it. is this place? Um, it's pretty huge. Three, Three stories that we know of. Uh, and this central atrium is interesting, not only because it's open to the sky with Elbereth in the middle here, um, but it, it gives you this sense of um, this sense of space. Right. This is uh, this mm-hmm. is a large house and a peculiar house. Uh, and we can show you to some of the interesting rooms. Let's see, Bilbo's room is down on this floor, right? Mm-hmm. Is Bilbo's room over here? Yep, with yeah. the purple carpet. I mean, yep, that's this, this feels like the atrium of a really nice hotel. Yeah, it's, it's got that resort yeah. Thing, feel. Yeah, exactly. You... Right. Okay, so here's Bilbo's room. <laughs> uh, Excuse me. It's like the Grand Floridian. That's what I was thinking of. Yes. <laughs> yep, yep. This is this is Frodo and Gandalf hanging out in Bilbo's room. And if you stand to look, my goodness, you look at Bilbo's height, and then you realize the height of the room. That would be the equivalent of us walking into like a a room with eighty foot ceilings or something. (laughs) It's massive. Yeah, it really is huge. Yeah, and it's it's pretty cool. If you stand close to Frodo, you get you can get uh, influenced by the sense of the presence of the ring. Makes you feel earthy. Yeah. I don't think I've ever noticed that. Of course, I haven't yeah. played in like three years. Yeah, so you get that little flash of light. And you get and a plus one dread. A little, little dim, yep. Yeah, now of course in Rivendell. So um, this, um, uh, so Sean, since you've never played, this is my favorite game mechanic. Um, they, so you'll notice how my minimap over here is kind of glowing blue around the edges. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's because your character always has uh, you you are on a scale of hope and dread right so when you're okay. in a when you're in a happy place like Rivendell or the Shire or Lothlorien um, your character has high hope which gives you basically more hit points and does and and gives you an advantage in your attacks and okay. stuff you're you're you, you have greater fortitude both to resist right. uh, to resist evil and uh, to strike against it when you are okay. in Evil places or near evil things like Nazgul, for instance, are the extreme example of this. Uh, then your dread 
rises and it weakens you and it may it, it'll it'll paralyze you if you go and you so that you can't move at all uh, if your dread yeah. uh, wow. drops okay. below a certain point. Um, so the fact that they actually invented a game mechanic to reflect that like really quite um, sort of immaterial process right in the books, mm-hmm. you know, just that that sense of you know, of not only the importance of hope and what hope means in the Lord of the Rings, but, um, but that general sense of like the, but the idea of fear as a weapon. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. that it's, it's, it's exactly the kind of thing which so often, you know, games, which are just kind of really simply built on a kind of, uh, you know, Dungeons and Dragons base is, right. uh, it doesn't really try to, uh, try to recreate, but I, I, I just love mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I, I, I like how you cool. don't you don't die in res in this game. Oh. What it is is your stats your instead gone? of. Oh, is my audio it. gone? Oh dear. Testing. I can testing. hear you. Okay. I, can oh, hear. Okay. I can hear you too. Okay, I can All hear right. you again. Just for a minute, okay. cut out. Oh yeah, it's probably Wi-Fi. Um, so, like, instead of your typical um, D and D, oh, game, I realized you have, what like, I was your... looking at the Twitch stream and saw your. <laughs> and saw your mouth moving, but didn't hear oh, any okay. sound. <laughs> but you have your so you have your mana, and you have your um, your your um, like your health and your magic are usually yeah. the stats they give you. But right. in this one, what they have instead is they have your morale and your power. So it's about your will to fight and your ability mm. to fight. So you don't die; you just Ooh, either yeah. become hopeless and you so hopeless you can't move, or so powerless you can't fight back. Right. right. Wow. Yeah, that's great. It's 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 pretty cool. I didn't hear anything. It's something, it's something uniquely Tolkienian. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. So so we're blue right now. So is that? I mean, I'm obviously we're on the positive end of the the hope scale here. Is this uh, is this as good as it gets, or is there Just a place about, that? Well, if you step back away from Frodo, then it's as good as it gets. Right. Um, uh, okay. So being around Frodo actually brings us down a little bit because yeah. of the yeah, ever, of the because of the ring. Yeah. He's depressing. Mm-hmm. Frodo, just negative vibes. Um, by the way, I was not able to get any game audio in my. I don't know if uh, you know because I left and came back. Whether maybe I need to. Oh, I think are you needs to be uh, rerouted? Yeah, are you? Uh, I should be getting my audio from Go to Webinar. But you also oh, from Discord. From Discord too. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I should turn off my speakers in. there and turn on my here and I'll take you guys to Elrond's study we can meet Elrond and then I'll take out to meet Gorfindel and then we can uh, uh, head out to our last site it's already getting late so cool oh, yeah. okay. it's uh, interesting yes, to know that, that uh, Elvareth in here has yellow hair yeah Oh, yeah. It's almost like a different style, even. Ah, uh, my scholar. My, my dwarven runekeeper has spent much time in this place. Yes. Yep. So here's Elrond. Pretty casual. You know, he's in his study here. Uh, and he has the circlet on his brow, but mm-hmm. uh, not, not real fancy. Um... You know, one thing I always find striking in seeing visual representations of Elrond, um, and I think this has to do with 
the deliberately kind of paradoxical descriptions of Elrond, right? How he's, um, yeah. you know, he's he's venerable like a king of many winters, and mm-hmm. you know, but Hale is a tried warrior in the fullness of his strength. Um, mm-hmm. But I find that despite those despite those descriptions, I seem still always to picture Elrond when I'm reading the book as old, basically. Like I just I I can't stop imagining him as like a white haired guy just because. Like the antiquity of Elrond is the thing that keeps getting emphasized, right? Right. Um, right. And I'm not saying that this is inaccurate. I think that this is quite right. But I, like almost every time in the game I come and talk to Elrond, I'm always like, "Bah, you look like a teenager. Holy he cow. He looks very young, yeah. But, I, you know, that I think... It's that I know what the secret is, Sean. You know what the secret is, right? No, it's, it's oil the, of old way. oil of old way. Yeah. Oil of old way. Moisturized. Yeah, no, he, he's got that face like my French-Canadian husband. He's going to look like he's 12 until he's 60 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, he looks a little grim, but, you know, not um, not too severe. Not quite Hugo Weaving levels of, of severity. No. Uh, exactly. No. Uh, he's a bit more approachable, but he, he seems had the best to eyebrows. Yeah. They both look like they'd be very good at hobbitry. Both of yeah. his eyebrows? No, both both the the game Elrond and Hugo Weaving. <laughs> at least no. he has two of them. No, this is his serious eyebrow, and this is his party eyebrow. Right. <laughs> okay, like we the should we should visit on the, the left and party on the too. right. <laughs> Holla burns. <laughs> Lindier's in here crying in a corner. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, standing right here with Bilbo Baggins. Lindir and Bilbo are both here. Bilbo suddenly grew some mutton chops, though. Yeah, I saw yeah. that. What's that? Wait, it has been a long time, story? my old friend. <laughs> no. That's um, that's very um, Hildebrand, isn't it? The Hildebrand mutton chops. The Hildebrand yes. mutton chops. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was the Hildebrand mutton chops. He's I own the collective parts. He's got a whole, like, Amish chin strap going on there, doesn't he? Oh, my he? God. He sure does. does. Yeah, he sure yes. does. Chantel a poem that the idleness. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's my next facial hairstyle right there. What do you think? And his clothes um, have changed. Too, right? <laughs> Let's talk about it. No, yellow no. and green. They they yeah. gave him more traditional yellow green hobbit. Wow, is this wow. new? Or are they are they different? Yeah, this yeah, is totally this is, new. This I've is, never I've seen, never this. seen Bilbo looking like this before. Did this just change today? No, this know. has been a f- couple months. Yeah, okay. Oh. This was in an earlier months. update. So this is a real serious newbie question, but I noticed that Bilbo has this sort of shadowy ring above him. Yeah. Elrond had a bright gold ring above his head. Do we do we see the characters that have rings of power or that have yeah, had rings no, of power? No. <laughs> no. It's it's quest rings. Yeah. It, yeah, it just okay. means that you can pick up a quest from this person. And in the case oh, of Bilbo, okay. in the case of Bilbo, it's a, a, a useless no XP quest because it's way below your level. Yes. Okay. I know that was a completely ridiculous newbie question, but no, it wasn't oh, actually. That's a valid question. Yeah. Um, we're lots actually of people can... are listening. I mean, I'll mock you for it later, but you know, that's, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're actually. I was talking about starting a show here on this channel um, to teach people those very questions. So, I, oh yeah, know. that's right. No, that's right. Hey, cool. Did, did they mess with Lindy or two? Maybe. He looks way he looks more, more yeah, like uh, than I recall. Like Figwit. Yeah, yeah. Brett McKenzie. Huh. Flight of the Concords. I love his little booties, though. Those are cute. 
I'm sorry. Did, what did you, can you it's, say that one more time? I want to make sure. Booties. Booties. No, that's not bad either. No. <laughs> that's right. I wasn't checking out Lindy here. I'm just saying. <laughs> Academic purposes, academic booty. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, and there are, uh, there is a quest. Isn't there a quest where you can get, um, like, where you're talking with Lindir and and Bilbo about about poetry, right? Mm. Isn't that uh, a riddle? I think it was a riddle. Yeah, yeah the, there is a the riddle, riddle quest. Yeah. 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 So, so here's the. Okay, so looking at the around the room now, um, I okay. So the details that we're told about the room, we're told that there's one great hearth which they've decided to put at the end of the room. Here, right? Mm-hmm. We when we were talking about the description, you know, of course we spent time carefully looking at the description of the room about three months ago and uh, <laughs> we decided that the hearth was probably in the center of the room um, as that seemed to make most sense in the way the one hearth was described in relationship to other things um, I can see this I don't um, uh, I don't necessarily um, uh I don't necessarily disagree with this take, even though they've made the one hearth into kind of a triple hearth, but that's okay. Um, the tables, though. I don't know mm. about the tables. And the floors... We need some carpet or something in here, because like people have to be able to sit oh, yeah. on the floors. I, yeah, I, well, I do want to... Singing in here would be very difficult. If yes. you're actually trying yeah. to tell a story acoustically, this is a nightmare. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Audio reflections everywhere. It's an audio engineer's nightmare. Yeah. Maybe it's sound absorbing stone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this looks like a really nice dining hall. Yes. Maybe it's just those yes. tables that are doing that for me. But uh, for, yeah. For, yeah, for some reason, just arm, you know, the big fire and lots of stories. I was kind of always picturing like squashy armchairs or some elephant equivalent or, you know, chaise yeah. lounges or Roman benches. Just look comfortable to sit on, you know, one way yeah. or another. Right. Right. Rugs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I, I, I admit that this room is, was has never been among my favorites as far as just their interpretation of of what's there in the book it doesn't it doesn't feel like that uh it doesn't feel like it this this feels different it's nice but it doesn't feel like the hall of fire feels uh <laughs> to me in the book um uh but it certainly oh. fits with the rest of the architecture of the house a little better yeah but oh, we, we should mention about the we should things. mention about the architecture. This is the one. This is one of the buildings that was closely modeled on one of Tolkien's own illustrations as well. Mm, yeah, yeah, yes. Oh, exactly. Yeah, the the picture that we, if you remember the view that we um, were looking bridge. at when we first came in from across the bridge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. And the house there looks very much like the house as Tolkien painted it uh, in his oh, right. painting. Uh, there. So yeah, that was that was a direct modeling. Okay, last stop before we hit our last stop. Last local stop here in Rivendell. I'm not even going to bother with the bridge. Um, 
<laughs> it can only lead to tears. And that is through the bushes. Oh we yes, gotta, yep. We gotta we gotta go go cross country here up to Glorfindel. Yes. Is this the walk that Frodo wanted to take, but he couldn't because the council was starting? <laughs> no, that's up. He wanted to do some serious. <laughs> see the pine woods up, up, up there yeah, on the heights. Right. Yeah, he wanted to do some serious, uh, serious hiking. Some serious hiking. So yeah, the the slopes of the mountains all around have have pine woods on as a reference to that line. Um, which, by the way, I have found. Um, I have found the game extremely reliable like if something specific is referred to in the text oh, yeah. they yeah. almost always succeed in putting that in the so like Sean you will appreciate this mm-hmm. when I got to the house of Tom Bombadil in the game for the first time the very first thing I did was run around the back to see if there were lines of beans on poles right outside the windows and there totally yeah. are and there were you know, yep. Yep. So, yep. Yeah. yeah you can find a, a slashed cloak uh, on the on the doorstep of the house at Crick Hollow, you know, oh, it's, cool. it's a, yeah, almost all of the things that are actively referred to are are totally there. Um, That's cool. And yes, as people are pointing out, we are at fifteen hope now, standing in the presence of Glorfindel. Standing in the, pre- pre- in the presence of Glorfindel is is where you max out your hope. I don't even think okay. standing in front of Galadriel gives you more hope than this. Um, but. Uh, yeah, so he's uh, surveying. This is up near where the flood came from. So um, there are some there are some pretty cool quests that you can go on. There's one quest that you can go on where you actually fight with Gorfindel uh, against uh, uh, incursion of uh, of of you know dark sorcerers who are coming in, and that's uh, pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Christy. You guys are doing right. such a good job of selling me on this game. I have to say. <laughs> it is great. I just well, I haven't I had time to play in the last couple of years. This is a yeah. dangerous conversation I'm having right now. It is. It is. I have to say, I deliberately, <laughs> I deliberately did not join, like, start playing Lotro for. I held out for several years, uh, yeah. just for fear of losing years of my life uh, yeah. that I couldn't afford to lose. But um, good thing that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, hey, it's true. <laughs> True. Good thing I dodged that bullet. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, that was that was my favorite. It was the, you running around trying to look at the architecture, and me and Rachel trying to kill everything that came near so you could keep talking. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, draw aggro. Draw aggro. That's right. That's the really funny thing when I'm when I'm in some kind of really dangerous place, and I'll stop even pretending to fight, and I'll just be going around doing guided tours while all this like <laughs> chaos is exploding chaos. all around us and flames and. Uh, or squirrel. Uh, now there's lag, you know. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so um, I, yeah, let's thank you, Phoenix. If you're gonna, so we're gonna port to Erebor now. Ooh, I can't wait to see All this. Right. This will be new to me. Oh, you haven't seen this one, Alan? No, I my character's only level sixty six. I don't think I can make it to Erebor. Yes, Erebor you is, can. Well, oh, really? Yeah, I, of course, I'm also. <laughs> It's There's tricky. a fun story about Girls of Mythgard involving uh, level 24 hobbits and a moose. Oh, oh man, yeah. It was this classic moment. And a moose? When and the, a moose. Yeah, they were, they they were standing aggro. around, like they were in, in a stream, and they were about to start touring around Lake Town, when all of a sudden this moose comes charging out of nowhere and assaults <laughs> them all. Um, like it, it crossed a river to kill us. It was, yeah, it was it just... Did. That's it was awesome. Totally. Wow. It was uh, it was rabid. Sadly, they had to put it down. I think, but yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> like we could put it down. 
level four, <laughs> level 24 hobbits. Okay, who else do I need to invite to the fellowship so I can summon? A moose once bit my sister. Sorry. There's your Thank you, moose bites can be pretty really. nasty. Yeah. <laughs> this is the only place you can summon under level characters. Okay. All ah, right. yeah. interesting. So here we are. Oh. Edible. Okay, now I've never seen this place. So let's see. Map. Where are we in Erebor? The Grand Theater. Tomb okay. to Doom. Exit to the Jaillands into the Hall of the Mountain. Okay. Oh, and then there, there, there are new mining loads. Right. Okay. Yeah. Alan, Sean, what character name should I be inviting to the fellowship? Well, unfortunately, oh, oh, you mean for future purposes? If I can ever get my my game to launch, because <laughs> oh, tonight yeah. it's I'm not <laughs> oh, in there. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, yeah. he's not in here. So, and 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 I have and I have none. Right. We're gonna fix that. Yeah, no, we are gonna <laughs> yeah. fix that for Sean, and I, I'll just have to play on my uh, on my gaming PC rather think, than this booth they, Mac. They, oh, there's the stairs. Okay. I haven't okay. been to this party. Yeah, either. dwarven architecture. You know, dwarven architect architecture is massive. Yeah, you know, it's all these just very geometrical, very yes. geometrical, Art Deco. all sorts of yeah, 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 so yeah. You, Art Deco you, you too. Can, yeah, you can immediately see the difference in flavor between dwarf and, and elvish architecture. Mm -hmm. Looking at the design, there's nothing subtle about dwarven architecture. Nothing no. subtle. It is yeah, yeah. Lots beautiful, of like but in a Celtic different way. Not stuff like we can see uh -huh. there along the the mm -hmm. sort of the rails and the stairs there. Um, Ooh, look at the column tops. And, and everything seems over-engineered, too. These you know, columns almost there. remind me of something like um, almost Bronze Age or something, like something from mm. from Crete or something like that. Sumeria? No. Sumeria was that. No, the, 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 there's one of the Middle Eastern ones had the ones with the big old beers and the frowny people. Okay. Babylonian? Yeah, for, for, for some reason, I'm thinking of something like uh, Minoan or Mycenaean or something, but I, I could be... Oh, yeah, yeah, I could, I could see that, out. too. They're like their big old beards too. Yeah. So it, oh, I love is that. this is yeah. this dwarf king like drooling onto this water wheel? Is that what <laughs> he's sleeping here? and it's just sort of yeah. you know just kind of yeah it's kind too of much, a little bit of a little bit of too dribble. much dwarven ale. <laughs> but the dwarves are like this is not made of liquid gold. The yeah. teacher's going to call his name in a minute. and He's going to lift his head up off his desk. <laughs> wow. See, that's a beard that would get wet. Yeah. Oh, there's foam all up in that beard, yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I yeah, bet there absolutely. is. Moria liked the big gaping mouths that were drooling waterfalls. I, I'm really interested in the fact that they have kept so much of the, the rough-hewn walls, right? Uh -huh, yeah. That they haven't just smoothed all this out, so that we we don't have the feeling it 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 retains the sense that you are underground in a mountain, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, while yes. still having all of the very clear architectural features, mm -hmm. so that you know, you know, you are in the oh, and we've got a grating on the floor here, so you can see. Yep. Yeah, it's it's, ve it's very ornamental. It's very wrought, yes. but it's but it is uh -huh. it, it retains that natural stone. Mm -hmm. They're still repairing it, you can see. Yes. So yeah. which room was this again? I know you just had the map up a moment ago, Corey. But... Oh, so yeah, though, this is just, this is in uh, one of the parts of Erebor, so. The Grand Feast. Oh, okay, so, so we're right there. Okay. 
Grand Theater. So I wonder what was performed here at the Grand Theater. That's what I was wondering. Do, do dwarves have theater? I wouldn't have looked for one. Right. I kind I guess, of wonder if it's less a, like a performance hall for thespians and more of a like auditorium. Yeah. For the king to gather his people and, yeah, and make a to, speech. To, to address people, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. It didn't... Well, they're very fond of their history and their language. I, could, I get the feeling it'd be tied up in either some sort of, Possibly. you know, Edda. Or perhaps mockery of elves. I mean, you know, trying to get back at them for the whole stunted people thing. Yes. It's all satire. It's like SNL, but for for dwarves, you know. They have their masks. They have their masks that look like babies and they walk around going, Oh, my fork is bent. (laughs) Yeah, the only the only kind of theater they do is yeah, just lampoons of the Exactly. Mostly fart jokes. (laughs) Yeah, it's Interesting. Okay, hang on. Where am I? Okay, I need to get... How do you get down? Where's the stairs? We're here. Well, you kind of like you do the bridges in Rivendell. You just go right over the edge and see what happens. Yeah. (laughs) So from these heights, I suspect I know what would happen. Um, Oh, I'm sure, yes. That's one thing. I'm not surprised to see that this has similar designs to uh, to Moria in that it's very vertical. There's a lot of layers upon layers. It's very... uh, Really, it's disorienting. Well, it saves space to have this much, you know, zigzagged and accordioned oh, yeah. in on itself. Right. Yeah. Dwarf opera. That's actually probably exactly what it is. Yeah, I was thinking like opera or like mask theater, maybe. What's in those barrels? I think we all know. Alcohol. Yeah. Alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. Cheese. Cheese. Well, <laughs> apples. Very small apple. rocks. Very small rocks. <laughs> Churches. <laughs> Cider. Uh, <laughs> that was brilliant. If you leave the uh, apples in there long we're enough, done. Comes... we're not going to get any better than that tonight, folks. Let's sign <laughs> off. Oh, Corey, I hate to say it, but I'm not seeing a lot of long beardian elements. <laughs> I'm not seeing a lot of long beardian elements either. I I think this is. It's got so yeah. Sorry, we've been doing. I, I talk about our attention to architecture, so we've been going through the Blue Mountains area, right? And we have been looking at the different historical. Uh, strata of ruins and things. Mm. So we're looking at the. We've been noticing the difference between the Longbeard construction from the time of Thorin, and then um, the uh, uh, the earlier architecture, which is there's another tribe of dwarves that they sort of invented for the game, the Dowerhands, um, who were there before. So I think we want to go this way to the Dalelands, right? Ooh. Well, do you want to see the king? Do we want to see the king? Maybe we. King want is to, to the, the north. King. Sure. Exit is to the south. Is 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 is, is, is Dan far away? No. Is it good maybe. to see the king? Maybe I'm gonna. Maybe I'll mount up. <laughs> it's good to see the king. You can only ride goats in here. I can ride my horse in here. Can't horse. Just can't ride war steed. Okay, I can't ride. Who let the elk in here? That's an elvish steed. Yeah, it's kind of sketchy, I have to say. It's big enough for an elk in here. Try it all the way to the end. But is it big enough for a giant prehistoric elk? Uh, That's a sea pet. That's a baby elf. It's not but a wee bear. (laughs) 
I see it was dismounted coming through. I, I love the big purple chandeliers in the middle. Those are always so pretty. Yeah. Yeah. The I like shiny things. And those are, Alan, as you were noticing, very like Moria, the, the same yeah. kind of crystal crystal and uh-huh. light structures. Yep. Just like we find another dwarven strongholds. Mm-hmm. And, this of course, the cool. dwarven banners with the, the lonely mountain, the raven, and the arkenstone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. The ravens here on either side. Hmm. Do you want to go see... Thorin's sister on the way down today. Oh, it's very like Odin with the two ravens. Yeah, it is. Oh man, look at the way this, the whole hall comes in, and you can see that the throne is still really far away and comparatively yeah, yeah, tiny. Yeah. Right, but the way... Oh, and it's in the mouth of the king. Oh, that's They like their cool. giant floating heads, don't they? Oh, that's actually really pretty awesome. The fun thing, this had actually started, uh, they put this in, in Mordor uh, in that expansion two years ago, and it was just this end hall with all the... Huh. It was the uh, Allegiance Hall for the door. Hmm. And then we yeah, also... You just walk door. right up to the king. Hi, king. Right. The guards How do you do You don't have to get through, you know, many layers of... Uh, bodyguards. You're just apparently he knows he can take you. Right. And look at that beard. Oh, oh that beard. That, that, that is, rocks, that's man. An that impressive is a beard. serious beard. Tucked into the belt and everything. Yeah, yeah. Man. Like a glorious undercooked challah. And how long would that thing be <laughs> if he unbraided it? I mean, right. that's just massive. Imagine, long he, enough to dip he, his beard un- in the... unbraided it and spread it out, you know, it would be like <laughs> five feet in diameter. Yeah. Seriously. Wow. My goodness, that's, that's quite cool. an That is so cool. I uh, can we turn around? I want to see. I want to see this this massive hall from. Oh yeah, the scope of the hall. Ah, oh, it's okay. light interference. Well, it's so big that it actually fades off into the horizon. Oh wow! Right. Right. Yeah, it sure point. does. Yeah, the draw yeah. distance of his, of his PC isn't good enough to see the other end. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's I like the little cool. fountains off to the side, so we get these little sort of yeah alcoves over here, which are you yeah, know, yeah quiet and peaceful. Oh yeah. Oh man, yeah. There's like two levels above on either side. Right. Above and below. Right. Mm-hmm. Not worried Boop. about security. Nope. I mean, yeah, great place for snipers to hide. I mean, absolutely. you know, that's. I mean, uh, the, the lines of fire to the king are numerous here. Yeah, this um, is a bad idea. And he's unarmed. I mean, he's wearing. He's hiding like a mace in that beard or something. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah I know. It's, it's, probably. It's, it's, it's a he's bulletproof just got this beard. little guy. He's got this little guy who's not yeah, talking and not moving. In there. He's yeah. going to kill you five times before you hit the ground. Just look at him. He's not even moving. He doesn't yeah. care. Yeah, do it, Corey. Do it. No, I'm not going to sit, sit on the sit throne. On the you throne. sat on the throne of Come a on. deal. Come on. You sat on cursed throne. thrones. That's true. Okay. Well, Narnian doesn't have the cheek to do that. See, he knows he didn't earn his way here, you know, like Wigand and, and uh, Grifflet do. I love the Raven and Arkenstone, by the way. The Arkenstone <laughs> beneath the mountain, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a really cool. That's really cool. Yeah, this, the symbolism. Wisdom and hubris. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's very cool. 
Okay. Can you actually sit? You can. You have to climb up on it. Not gonna do it. Not gonna do it. Who's Badger? That is a honey badger. You're gonna have a honey badger as a pet? Yep. Yeah, I guess. Oh. And Gareth does it. Gareth's the cheeky one. Well played. Okay. Alright. Let's go to Dale. Alright. Let's go to Dale. Oh, yeah. Narnian doesn't have a goat. Uh huh. <laughs> <clears throat> That's going to be a short trip. To Dale? Yep. It yeah, is a short cause... trip, but there's going to be bad guys on the way. That's what I meant. You're going to be picked off in the first oh, two oh, seconds. It's going to be a short trip for oh. me, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. If you, if you get killed when you're level 9, I may be able to summon you. Maybe. We'll see. Huh? But I trust you. You guys can all protect me. It won't be hard. Yeah, I can. Uh, I can. Valori's yeah. toast, but yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be running for my life, man. <laughs> oh, you're 83. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm 83 in the Valori. Yeah. You're we'll Valori see if the, your nameplate goes red when you go outside. I yeah. Oh, it's already red right now. I was talking about quarries. Oh, oh yeah. Does? We'll see. Yeah, because if your name if the uh, if the name place under the mini map is red, you can't be rezzed or summoned. Okay. All right. Well, let's see. We're running super late here. Um, yeah. But let's see if we can get a glimpse of Lake Town, maybe. We won't do a full well, Lake tour Town. of Lake How far away is Lake Town? Pretty far, right? Lake Town is a little far, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But we can definitely get you down to Dale. Can I? Is there a stable master in Erebor I could use? Yeah, right down here at the end of the stairs. Uh, you have to get outside first. I get outside first. Okay. All right. Well, well you've got a war steed. Um, you can ride your war steed uh, down there pretty quick. Let me let me try the stable master because we're on Landreval, so I should have mithril coins. And it's a swift travel. Great. Uh, I could actually summon you down there once I get down there myself, but no, you should be fine. Valori is it red at the gates of the king here? What was that? Is the name uh red to you on the mini map? Oh yeah. Oh gosh. But like I said, we did this with little twenty four bergs the second time mm-hmm. around, so Wait, let's oh, just the stable master. Okay. I'm just gonna make a break for it. Run, 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 run. Well met. Running, 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 all right. running I want fast. To go all the to thing. Lake Town. Yes. All right. Okay, so we'll skip down. So we'll show you guys Lake Town, and then we will sign off. It's as it is late. So this, of course, is New Lake Town. Oh, that's not like town. That's ruins full of things. <laughs> keep going, keep going. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. Well, home in on my uh on my dot. Ah, oh, it's a warthog. Oh, I got a oh, and a wolf. Keep going, keep going. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. You got it. Okay, I'm at the gate. Where's the door? Where's the door? Where's the door? 
So, oh, and there's a lake. Sean, as you can see, one of mm -hmm. the interesting things about the rebuilt lake town is that okay. there's like a dragon theme in the architecture. Oh, uh, yeah, I see that. Uh, All right, so we've got these dragon shapes above the arches and things. Uh, uh -huh. So they are, uh, and the, the lake town guards, too. If you if you look at the guy, I love this. Look at the insignia on his chest. It's the dragon falling. Oh, like that. So yes, cool. that is awesome. That is, so that cool. is just absolutely awesome. Yeah, I love how love they that. integrate the shape of the of the of the falling smog. That's great. Wow. That is really that is really cool. What a detail that is. That is super yeah. cool. Look out! There are low railings on this bridge, Corey. I just yeah, I know. Sure I know. It's uh, Lake Town is is pretty dangerous. Uh, like if you look over here, you'll see. Um, uh, oh, you can fish off the bridge. That that little box over there is an outhouse. Yeah. Uh, there are public oh, privies okay. all around here. You know, you gotta, which which of course just hang out over the lake. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Yeah. Don't drink the water. Yeah. Very realistic approach to yeah. public sanitation here. Yep. Yep. Um, Just make sure it's upstream from your house. Exactly. Or uh, downstream from your house. Downstream, Sorry. Yeah. Well, it depends on whether it was built by the lowest bidders or not. <laughs> yeah. Yes. As Keishrana says, these are the only latrines in all of Middle Earth. Uh, really, <laughs> it's. Uh, we have no idea what other people do, but I love. Yes, yeah, so you've got the you've got the the dragon stuff all over the place. You've got it at the mm -hmm. the, <coughs> the, the roofs of oh, houses. Oh yeah, yeah. Look at that. You've got it in the arches. Wow. Um, mm -hmm. You know they they really sort of celebrate the uh, you know rising from the ashes. The dragon, of course, is their is their symbol on the banner. Now the dragon with pierced by the black arrow is their symbol on the banner. Mm -hmm. Nice. Right. Cool. Yeah. So oh, yeah. even though Bard goes off to you know refound Dale and everything, um, you know Lake Town, uh, the new Lake Town still still remembers. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, still part of their history. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and I haven't you know obviously I haven't seen Edoras or anything in Rohan, but this feels very, um, you know, this feels very Rohan to me. Yeah. It's got. Um, That's well observed. Yeah. It's got. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't know what it is, but uh, maybe it's sort of an Anglo-Saxon um, look to it, and that that fits right because these are Northmen; mm -hmm. these are uh, right. These are cousins, aren't they? Yeah, even more so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's you can, and there's just like a touch of the 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 Breetown architecture in the you know in the, mm. in the but hey, you made it, Valor. There you go. Yeah, um, I'm alive. In Yay. the uh, like in the pattern of the wood and stuff, right? The sort of the the wood, though it's not wooden plaster; it's wood and and planks, right? It's all mm -hmm. it's right. all made out of wood. Um, right. But yeah, no, it's true. And and uh, in Rohan, because you should course, always build with wood if there's a dragon nearby. Really, absolutely. that's really yeah. what you should build with. What's, it's, what it's, it's done in deliberate defiance of the dragon. You know, it's it's all. Yeah, fire insurance well, is very hard. We to come we, by. we killed that dragon. We can build with wood now. That's well, right. remember they also have to float on the lake as well, so that might have something to do with it. That's right. And it's oh, they, they still could have built it out repair. of small rocks. Cheaper <laughs> churches. <laughs> right. Okay, I'm actually gonna one last thing we'll uh, do before we go is to find the ruins of the old lake town and mm -hmm. the bones mm -hmm. of the dragon. Ooh. Oh yeah. yeah. 
Oh, so we can see the rotting dragon carcass? Yes. Yes. Oh, I never noticed the flags look like the Welsh flag. And that's, yes, except they've killed this one. Um, <laughs> uh, Poor that's Merlin. Off, that's off to the, to the south, right? Down here? Yes, it is to the south. I should probably skirt around the deer relatively widely because... Yeah, if you stay on the actual road, it's better. Okay. I took a level 8 through here once solo. It, as long as you stay on the path, you're generally pretty... What's that glowing in the distance? Blue glow. Uh, that is a ship. Groovy. Okay, so we're approaching, yeah. Looks like a witch's house. Oh, there are the bones. Just don't get too close because there are bad guys there. Oh, of course there'd be. Oh, wow. Now that's that's desolation of smog right there. <laughs> Boy, you're not kidding. Okay, so here's the burned piles of the old town. Wow, wow. That is so cool. Pretty cool. If you perform certain quests, you can actually get a mini version to sit in your lawn and scare away your neighbors. (laughs) In 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 the Lotro housing. Esgaroth of old. And so again, they've done the same thing with the scale. Like, of course, Tolkien described (laughs) the bones of the dragon being, you know, down underwater. Um, Right. But you, uh, oh yes, and here are the. I'm gonna kill dudes to oh, get the mafia. Appreciate that. Um, so these, of course, like the the, you know the the wing bones of Smaug sticking way up above the water like this. Um, right. Not how it's described in the book, but again, <laughs> it creates the. Uh-oh. I'm fine. Oh, you're you're down. Run away! One shot. Yeah, uh, Narnian is kind of a wimp because he's never uh, um, done Slotted any stats. Slotted any stats, done anything, in fact. Um, Other than stand around and talk, that's pretty much his job. Anyhow. Hey, I caught a fish. What I was saying was, was, um, again, the, the, the sense of, you know, the ominous presence of the bones of Smaug, um, the way that, again, they, they've made them larger so that that happens when you see them from a distance, right? You don't just mm-hmm. come and swim over and see down in the depths of the water the bones of the dragon. Right, right, um, right. You know, it creates this sort of larger atmospheric effect. Um, and, uh, and you can <laughs> it just... ported me all the way to Harwick and Rohan. <laughs> oh, man. To Harwick? Because it ports you to your milestone. Yep, oh, that's okay. the one. Okay. Cool. And it's hard. All right. Oh, well, you guys go ahead. No problem. Well, we're wrapping up anyway. I wanted to, to okay. end here at the Bones of Smaug. I don't think there are any bad guys right here. So there we go. I can't That's actually amazing. jump up onto the skull of Smaug. Wow. Oh, you can. Uh, yeah. Wow. Anyway, there we are. That's so cool. Awesome. Well, thanks everybody for joining us tonight. We're, we're yeah. ending late, but that's okay. It was a, a special episode. And of course, many thanks to our special guests, Sean and Alan, for joining us tonight as uh, your 
exploring the Lord of the Rings experience here. Uh, Thank and, you for having us, Corey. Yeah, no absolutely. Problem. It's our pleasure. And best of luck to you in your rapid discussion the rest of the way. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, it's it's uh, it's been really fun. I think that the, um, um, you know, our two discussions of the Lord of the Rings are are sort of delightfully kind of complementary. I think in in lots yeah. of ways. Yeah, that I think are really I agree uh, are really fun. And I know there, are, as you were noticing, many. Uh, uh, many, many listeners that we share together and uh, mm-hmm. are, are really yeah. enjoying both discussions. So absolutely, uh, great having you guys with us. Uh, we'll have to see you guys again sometime. Maybe we'll we'll have you guys on again when you finish the book and can come back and laugh at us for still being <laughs> in the minds of Moria or something at that point. There you so. go. That's right. <laughs> Holland. Holland. We might make it to Holland by then. I think we probably. <laughs> yeah. We'll give you all sorts of spoilers. Exactly. Oh no! Exactly. We we have come from the future. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. So okay. So thank you, everybody. Uh, and uh, I will be back next week. Uh, I'll be. Uh, I should be Tuesdays through uh, uh, through November here. Um, so uh, so we should be just uh, uh, regular schedule, almost regular schedule as normal. Actually, we'll be making a change to the um, uh, to the server schedule, which. I'll explain next time, but um, uh, but as far as the actual calendar goes, we'll be I'll be here all month. So very good. Thanks everybody. Uh, Thanks. Right. Good night. Thanks for Bye, having guys. us. Good night. Thanks. Bye. Good night. Bye. Thanks for coming. Thanks for joining me on this epic exploration of the Lord of the Rings and of Standing Stone's video adaptation of Tolkien's story. If you are having even half the fun I'm having on this journey, I hope you will consider supporting the project by donating at signumuniversity.org slash fund.